Hello? Still alive. Who is this? It's happening again. movies from the sublime to the suspicious and but though as always i'm lindsay wilkins though today we're doing something different because we are taking a trip to shadyside and going up fair street yep it's a triple feature of all three um fair street movies 1994 1978 and 1666 it's my podcast so i can do whatever i want and i wanted to talk about fair street so i brought on a the biggest a group of shady siders I knew to take on the witch. My first guest, uh, you all know these guys, they're absolutely great, but my first host is the host of Cobwebs, is the great Daniel Epler. Hey, how's it going? Hi, Lindsay. Uh, what if I came on here and told you guys that I am from Sunnyvale? <gasps> oh. Well, at least we know that you will not die. <laughs> That's right. Listen, That's our fortune will trickle down to you guys eventually. Just wait. <laughs> yeah. You, yes. The, the great. Yes. It will trickle down about another. Give it a maybe another century or so. <laughs> sure. Sure. It'll be fine. <laughs> My second guest is again another great, great. Hopefully, another shady cider. Um, he is the host of the Film Feast podcast. It's the great Matt Blitzo. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Lindsay, how's it going? Uh, I would say I am from Shadyside. My luck is not good to be from Sunnyvale. So I, I have to say I'm from Shadyside. <laughs> okay, so you so, and me, we are probably most likely going to die horribly. <laughs> right, stabbed many, many times, I believe. Yes. Uh, from what this movie, these movies have shown me. <laughs> As we'll get into, the one thing I love um, about this trilogy, apart from the absolute dopey uh, mythology, is how mean the spirit in this movie is, especially if you happen to live in Shadyside. <laughs> Oh, I love it too. I love it too. And speaking of mythology, I, I'm a big fan of these movies. That's why I'm so happy to be on for this episode. But I have questions. So I'm hoping maybe you guys can help explain things. Maybe we can fill in gaps <laughs> together and, and figure out all of the mythology of this this series. Oh, absolutely. Because I also have questions because I was going through my notes last night and then I was like, hang on a minute. How does that work? Um, but before we get into the um, get into the uh, trilogy, I just want to get everyone's overall thoughts of what they thought of it, because it's not, well, this is probably one of the first times we've gotten this uh, horror trilogy sort of a week by week by week on, on Netflix. So we'll start with uh, you, Daniel, your overall thoughts on the, on the trilogy. I absolutely love this trilogy a lot, maybe to the point that I'm not quite sure how objective I can possibly be about it, but but I'm here to celebrate because um, I love these movies so much that it kind of like it kind of rocketed my my horror loving side back into gear. Like most of this year 
I've just not watched a ton of horror movies. It's not as if I turned against the genre in any way. I've always still loved it. I've just just been really into watching like classic film, old black and white movies. Uh, I've also been really enjoying watching action films and comedies a lot. And I've just not watched a ton of horror in 2021. But this series completely jumpstarted that back inside of me. And um, and I haven't just enjoyed watching this series through twice in a row. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it sent me on like quite a like a teen horror kick, especially. And I've been watching a lot of other horror movies lately that has been a blast. So, yeah, I uh, I love this series. I love the characters. I think they're all really, really well made. They are more they're like less. I don't know, maybe use the word neutered than I feel like a lot of modern mainstream movies are like they, mm. the mean spiritedness is there a bit more. Like it feels like it's maybe from the eighties or from that post scream era or something like that. There's a, there's so much that I love about this. Um, and, and while I, while I'm talking, I just want to ask you, do we have like full reign to talk all spoilers, like from the get go? Uh, yes. I should have uh, mentioned this at the top. This will be incredibly spoiler heavy because Oh, there are some big, big spoilers, and this is not just a usual kind of slash and rip. Oh, he's the killer. No, this is going full bore. So yes, we will be talking um, uh, spoilers up the top. So if you've not seen um, this trilogy, though I know a lot of people have, please go and watch them. One, they're great. They're fun um, because we will be spoiling everything about it. Um, I'll go to you, Matt. Um, so what are your overall thoughts of the of the trilogy? So I am echoing a lot of things Daniel said, actually. I, I don't love it, though. I really, really like them, though. I will mm. say that. I really, really like the movies. Um, I felt like there was a lot of talk of them uh, online when they first were coming out. And I feel like I was kind of like that. I think it's a famous uh, gif. Uh, Marge Simpson just saying, I just think they're neat. Like, I just <laughs> think <laughs> I just think they're neat. Uh, I thought it was very cool. Netflix gave us three weeks in a row of these movies that all connected together even more than I thought they would connect together. I thought when you watch them all and you kind of realize the machinations of how things are going on and it kind of just makes you appreciate the whole thing more. Cause I rewatched all three for this podcast and liked, liked them more on the second watch. Cause I was really seeing how things fit together. Um, so I thought they were cool. I, I like Daniel, I've been kind of out of horror for like most of this year, um, mostly in like action movies. And this kind of did help me, is push me back into horror. I think that and probably the October's coming, but these did help me kind of, cause they give you a lot of different little taste of horror. There's different things going on in each movie. So yeah, I really, really enjoyed them. There's something different. I thought it was cool. We we're getting slasher movies every week. Netflix that were had like a, a budget and were well-made, you know? <laughs> so um, with likable characters, which is something you don't get a lot in slasher movies. So Yes, I, I'm on board for the whole thing. <laughs> this is absolutely true. And it kind of, like, I know Daniel's made a great point that every single time that a slasher has been released, everyone hates it. Everyone hates the characters. No one finds them likable, all that kind of thing. And this is kind of the first one in a while that I felt, yeah, people either don't like it or they hate it or they hate the needle drops. Um, but you do kind of fall in love with these um, this dopey group of, of kids and you really want them to, well, stay alive. Um, you still feel about them from the get-go because it even took me two watches for, um, uh, of course, and I'm blanking. Um, Daniel, that slasher movie you really like was from two years ago. Health, oh, Hellfest. Hellfest. Hellfest yes. Yep. <laughs> it took me a second watch to actually really, really like those characters. So it was kind of nice. And to go back to, again, what you two were saying, yeah, this kind of got me back into horror. I was just watching a lot of, well, everything else. And this has got such a kind of a cool Halloween-y feel about it because with the masks and um, everything like that. So, yeah, I am 
kind of love these to the point where I'm not sure how objective I can be. Though um, I can kind, I don't think they are. They're not perfect movies by far, but it's the kind of the roughness around the edges that I really, really liked and really responded to, especially on the second watch when I knew what was going on and why certain acting choices were being made. Um, and with that, we're going to go into the first movie, uh, Fair Street 1994. Now, because this is shock and awe, we're each going to pick a trailer that we would actually show in front of the part one. Um, Daniel, what would your first trailer, what would your trailer be? Okay. Um, so what Fear Street 1994 did for me is it really set me on a path of watching or rewatching a lot of the post scream slasher era. Yeah. Uh, an era of horror that I didn't enjoy years ago, but have come to like really, really appreciate a lot by Mm -hmm. now. And they're definitely comfort watches and um i actually realized recently that there is a franchise from this era that i never never bothered with and just this past week i've already watched the first three movies so i'm going to pick the first movie from that i'm going to show the trailer for final destination from 2000 the cabin starts to shake right and, and the, the left side blows up and then the whole plane just explodes the plane's gonna explode it's not a joke it's not a joke we get thrown off the plane all because Brownie has a bad dream? <sighs> I saw it. The plane! It's gonna blow up! It's gonna blow up! Nice. Yes, it is 2000. It's not yeah. 90s, but it's, for all intents and purposes, it's a 90s movie. It feels like one. Um, and I picked this because, like, it definitely has the vibe of Fear Street 1994, mm. I think. But also, it's got the whole, it's got kind of a similar twist at the end where, like, the character needs to die but then get revived in order Mm -hmm. to avoid a death curse. So it shares that in common. And uh, this is a movie that I kind of enjoyed the hell out of. It's it's kind of... um, a kind of horror that I love is horror that is very silly, but in the context of the movie is taken very seriously. And that's what this movie is. It is a dopey premise that Devin Sawa is just acting the shit out of with his weirdo, twitchy, crazy performance he's given in that movie. Uh, I, I really like final destination. I think it has a good vibe to lead right into fear street, 1994. I haven't seen the first final destination since I think it came out. And when I saw you were watching the series, I was like, Oh, I really do need to watch the series. It's been on my to watch list for years. Um, so yeah, I really need to give that a go. But that is that is a great trailer to show in front of this movie. Um, Matt, what would your trailer be for Fair Street 1994? So I picked two, and one was super obvious. I'm not going to go with that one. <laughs> but there, the end of '94 is set in a grocery store. So I went with another really fun grocery store slash movie called Intruder from 1989. It's closing time. The store will be closing in 15 minutes. But the night crew still has work to do. Oh my god, we're gonna get in so much trouble. Because there's one last customer who isn't satisfied. No! This creep keeps calling her, he's driving us nuts. Leave me alone. He wants to slash their prices. Who's there? He wants to cut their inventory. You're crazy! In fact, he wants to chop until they all drop. Oh, I still need to see this. Yes, I've heard it's amazing. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot. It's exactly it's I mean, it's what you think it is. I feel like it is (laughs) a straightforward slasher in a grocery store. uh, And I just felt like that ending and then that movie, I was that that would kind of set you up for 
Fury Street 94. <laughs> oh, that absolutely would. That, again, another movie I have to add to my October watching list because I have heard all these amazing things about it. It's produced by Sam Raimi or? Yes, one of his. Yes, so. yeah. I think no. Sam Raimi's in the movie, I believe. Ah, even better. Um, <laughs> well, for this, because um, I remember, well, I was a teenager and just turned a teenager um, in 94. I decided to have a look at what movies were being released in 94 since Fair Street tends to like to pl- blur the lines of the what kind of year it's in. Um, so, yeah, I was looking around to see um, what movies were being released. And so I decided to settle on a People Coming Back from the Dead revenge movie, but you're more on the side of the Revenger. Um, I'm going The Crow from 1994. People once believed that when someone dies, a crow carries their soul to the land of the dead. But sometimes, just sometimes, the crow could bring that soul back to put the wrong things right. You're all going to die. Um, this is one of the most 1994 movies to ever exist. Um, it is again one of those dopey movies that takes itself so seriously, and unfortunately, it does have the tragic byproduct of um, Jordan Lee unfortunately dying, uh, passing away way before his time, and in, in a horrible accident, which kind of always is added to the mythos of the movie. But if you just sort of take the movie, it is—it's just one of those. Every time I watch it, I forget how much I do enjoy it. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go for the crow. I love that nice. movie. Yeah, definitely <laughs> not one I expected. <laughs> yeah, I thought somebody was going to say Scream, which is the one I stayed away from. I was like, yeah, I think we obvious. all had the same thought. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought about it because especially when you get into that first scene and that first phone call at the beginning, it's like, oh, that is such a where's Craven, Craven beat from Scream. That whole <laughs> shocking sound design of the of the scream with the phone coming out from nowhere. Um, I was like, oh, we are definitely in Scream territory. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I also Fantastic. didn't want any. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> like, casting a known didn't... actor for the first scene, and yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's all good. I uh, I also didn't want anybody to see a trailer for Scream and think, huh, I wish I was watching Scream right now. <laughs> so I didn't want Sorry, that to happen. So I was like, let's not do that. <laughs> yeah, because uh, every single time I watch the trailer for Scream, I'm like, I kind of want to watch Scream. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. It is. <laughs> This is definitely a heavily Scream-influenced movie, and I guess within that... Dude, what the hell? This is exactly why you have no friends. Look, some gal killed a bunch of people at the mall last night. Holy shit. Another shady side tragedy. Fits the narrative, right? Sarah fears back. Christ, not you two. There's no angry dead witch. The only thing that made him go crazy is this town. The dude was wearing a Halloween skull mask. How is that not fun? Guys, I think there's someone in the woods. Um, yeah, we get uh, Maya Hawke working in a bookstore, which I kind of love. Um, selling Fair Street books, which I kind of love. It's all kind of this very, again, dopey sort of setup. Um, and that that ringtone that sort of bursts out from the darkness, it's it's it kind of feels a little bit like Scream Light. Like I think the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, just because I've seen Scream so many freaking goddamn times <laughs> that it felt like the opening scene to Scream, but light, even though it was incredibly well shot. Um, 
I love Maya Hawke's performance. The first time, it, it took me a bit to get into the first um, movie, I think, it was more when the um, killer started showing up, but that first, I think, 15 minutes, it took me a bit to get into it because, um, yeah, the first scene, even though because I recognized Scream so much, I was underwhelmed, though confused, because you're just like, going, why is that guy suddenly going crazy and killing Maya Hawke? She seems so nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love Maya Hawke, and I think she's... The the first thing we see in this movie is her face. And as soon as that happened for me, I was like, okay, I'm in. Because uh, I really like her. I think she is a standout from recent uh, Stranger Things seasons. She also appears in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And it was really cool to see her in that. So as soon as she showed up, and I didn't know that this movie was going to do such a direct scream homage in the beginning. I didn't know Maya Hawk was only going to be in this opening scene. So I was like, oh, okay, she's in this. I'm kind of in. Hmm. And that paired with... I love the setting of this 90s mall. I know a lot of people have said, oh, it looks like they just took the mall from Stranger Things and just filmed there. And I'm like, you know what? Let's <laughs> do more scenes. Let's do more movies in the mall from Stranger Things because I love that atmosphere. I'll look at it all day long. The pink mm-hmm. and the purple lighting. It's oh, great. yes. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that kind of threw me in the opening was uh, Maya Hawk is dealing with this customer who's this this white lady who one one might call a Karen, not saying I would, but one might. <laughs> and she says, <laughs> oh, these Fear Street books. <laughs> exactly. These Fear Street books are lowbrow horror. Hmm. And I'm like, was anybody in the 90s saying lowbrow horror? Like, we didn't even have A24 <laughs> back then. So I don't think anybody was really talking about that. <laughs> um, I do remember my mother calling them trash ones because I did read a little bit of Fear Street back in the day. Um, and she just kind of looked at them and went, oh, you're reading trash again. And then I was like, how dare you, woman? Um, <laughs> trash, I believe. I believe people will call them trash. But yeah. lowbrow horror is like yeah, a little I don't too bad. Yeah, it wasn't like around. people, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like or everyone was going to see Candyman and think pieces were being written or multiple think pieces were being written about. Finally, elevated horror. Elevated <laughs> horror, that's right. Elevated horror, oh boy. <laughs> um. No, I agree. I really do like the mall scene because, um, yeah, teenagers hang out in malls. I know I hang out, hung out in malls a lot. I mean, I still watch mall rats and go, look, about 70% of this movie is accurate. The other's Kevin Smith is uh, Kevin Smith's nonsense, but it's still got that kind of element um, to it. So, um, yeah, even though I totally agree with you, even though um, I think it took me a little bit to get into the movie, I completely agree with everything Daniel just said. What about you, Matt? What was your first thoughts when you were watching this for the first time? <laughs> well, I said, oh, cool, Maya Hawke's in this, and she's gone. It was very <laughs> – I had no idea. And I was like, oh, Maya Hawke, great. I love her on Stranger Things, and uh, and I did not expect that, actually. I don't know why. I should have seen it coming, I feel like, but um, – no, did not expect that, but I was still kind of sucked in from the opening. I think it's well shot and like well, well done with that. Yeah. House. I mean, I know what's going on, but I'm interested, you know, I'm just like, oh, what's happening? Okay. Um, and, but I thought she'd be the main character and then no, she was out pretty quickly, but uh, it sucked me in right from the get go, even though I had no clue what was happening. <laughs> I know. All you're sort of seeing is this, it's got a, one thing I do love about the Fair Streets, it's got amazing um, killer costumes. Like you're instantly kind of, ooh, who is this killer? And he's got like the cool kind of like a day of the dead skeleton hood kind of thing and it looks instantly creepy especially if he's kind of in the black light of this of the shopping mall um and i did think it, and it's just this kind of though I, it was on the second watch when i really noticed that uh director lee yannick was really focusing in on that tree like um which is going to be one of my questions about the whole <laughs> universe is like camp to mall okay so how does the geography work but we'll get into that that later um 
Yeah, I guess with um, First Street 94, um, how how 90s do you think this is or how 80s do you think this first movie is comparatively? Because I know there's been a lot of criticism of this isn't 1994. I mean, it's not, but it's okay. <laughs> like, this isn't a documentary on 1984. No. It's okay. Hmm. Um, I, I can't think of the last movie I saw that really, like, Maybe like mid nineties, the Jonah Hill movie kind of really captured. It felt like it actually was happening in like the mid nineties, but um, that kind of stuff doesn't bother me. The needle drops and not feeling like it's nineteen ninety four. Although I was glad nobody walked around and said stuff like, "Oh, Bill Clinton's second year in office." Like, can you believe it? Like, I don't need anybody making direct references to the year. Like, there's needle drops, but no one. <laughs> I think the closest we get is someone talking about like uh the sister talking to uh, dina talking to josh about aol and she's talking about the internet it's like the internet's for weirdos or something you know but um but i don't remember a lot of like direct like you know things about 94 which i appreciate um so yeah it doesn't the kids maybe because it's hard to tell because I, I mean i know it's made now so i don't know if the kids <laughs> feel like 94 kids um I mean, it's not distracting or a problem for me if, if yeah, that's all I can say about it, really. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> no, it didn't bother me at all, though I thought everyone's music taste in 94 was a bit too good. Like, um, you know, <laughs> Iron Maiden, um, Garbage. Um, it seemed to be like all the cool, because we know 94 was one of those years that had great music or I just think had great music because I was just in that time. So this is kind of my very much my jam. But at the same time, I'm like, going, come on, guys, there was terrible music. People were listening to terrible <laughs> music. The mall just wasn't playing um, all the amazing songs when you came from 94. It was playing the shite as well. So um, that was kind of my one criticism. I was like, come on, no one has this good a taste. <laughs> Shady Siders are just fucking cool. They really are. They just have great taste. <laughs> It's those Sunny Valers that suck. They listen to yeah. the garbage. Yes. <laughs> Except Sunny Valers, um, Shady Stuff, you do listen to the first garbage album, but the rest they listen oh, to the top true. 40. Oh, yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> good point. Good point. Um, okay. Here's the thing. I was born in 1993. Let's get that out of the way right now. I'm sure some <laughs> people will listen to me and be like, this kid doesn't know what he's talking about. But I, I can't see what the problem is with the recreation of the 90s. I remember when... Uh, when the 2015 Goosebumps movie was announced, my first thought was, oh, I really hope it takes place in the 90s because I so associate Goosebumps with the 90s, with that 90s TV show. I was like, oh, I want the Goosebumps movie to look like that. And they didn't. It took place in present day, which fine, whatever. I still really like the movie. It, it doesn't matter. But I was really excited when I found out this Fear Street takes place in the 90s. And um, – and like I said, as far as period recreation, I can't really see a problem other than the fact that the like there's not a lot of guys with Jonathan Taylor Thomas haircuts with like the middle part and everything. <laughs> there's not a lot of that. So maybe if we had one character who looked like that, it might be better. But <laughs> I I don't know what the problem is. It seems fine to me. Also, from my experience was watching this a second time, the needle drops feel like nothing. Like I I, I recognize it was kind of jarring the first time I watched it, but <laughs> on a second watch. It just felt like there was a cool soundtrack to a movie and I didn't think anything of it. Actually, that was the same for me because the first time I was watching this movie, this yeah, because it was like, oh, shit, oh, this song, oh, this song, oh, oh, well, they're, well, they're going for... Iron needle Man. drops okay. inside of needle drops. Needle, side, <laughs> side of needle drops, like they're playing Insane of the Brain, all of a sudden she puts on and she's listening to Creep. So it's this kind of, um, yeah, you're right, it's just all over the place. But when you... Um, watch it a second time it is just part of the tapestry of the movie and it i actually love the moment when you go from insane in the brain um to creep because it kind of just 
it's perfect for Dina, which we will have to get into now um, because it sort of suits her character. She's not even – she's the shady siders, shady side, I guess, is probably the way I'm trying to – or the shady side, shady siders. She's the ultimate shady side, as in she's the ultimate outcast within a group of outcasts. And um, she is the absolute heart and soul of this movie. And I really love – I'm going to butcher her name – Kiana's Madeira's performance just because um, – I think she can kind of do – she does – she carries this movie absolutely. Even when she's not in it, she's still carrying this movie. <laughs> no, yeah. I love Dina. I mm. love this character, and I love Ke- Kiana Madrina's performance. Um, mm. I feel like she should be a superstar by now. Um, I, I, I recognize, like, the only way to really be a superstar these days is to play a superhero. I don't necessarily want that for her. But if if she could, like, be in a whole bunch of horror movies or something, that would be awesome. Yeah, her performance is fantastic. Uh, and what I really latch on to in this series, like, I love all the horror stuff. I love the spooky shit. But um, I, I love uh, Dina and Sam's relationship. I love yes. that romance. I think this is a very romantic horror series, which I think is super cool. Um, and they're both such good actors. And the, and the thing is like, this movie gets me to care about their relationship before Sam even really shows up because Dina's heartbreak is so real and it's so palpable and it just feels so devastating that you just know this relationship is very important just from Kiana's performance. Um, so yeah, Dina is awesome. She's not just like a screen queen. She's like a legit uh, proactive hero in this series. By until like by the end of '66, uh, we've got like essentially like a giant battle scene with Dina at the forefront. And um, love this character. Love this performance. My favorite thing about the series. Uh, absolutely, Matt. What did you think of when you first met Dina? Um... Was did you kind of start relating to the character a bit, or did was she a way into this into the whole tri- trilogy as a whole? Yeah, because Daniel was saying like before you even meet Sam, you're knowing that she's going through a breakup. Dean's going through mm. a breakup, and for all the stuff that's like ninety, it doesn't feel like ninety four. It doesn't feel real. The breakup, heartbreak stuff feels very real. That's the stuff that matters, you know. Oh yeah. Um. So I liked her the first time. She, I thought she was really solid. When I watched the whole thing again, the whole trilogy. I loved her performance. I thought she was great. And I don't even want to call her a final girl. That seems like dismissive of how good she is and um, how much she does in the series. And um, yeah, no, I, by the second watch through, I was, yeah, she should be a superstar. I loved her performance. thought it was like really solid. She has to carry a lot. So Uh, she really, really does. And it's kind of weird because the first chunk of this movie, as I said, it took me a bit to get into because it feels like everything escalates so, so quickly. Um, she's going through a heartbreak. Her and Sam are at that rally and just arguing because it's kind of, I didn't realize the juxtaposition between her and Sam arguing and then the Shady Siders and Sunny Bales starting to go at it. I didn't realize how smart Yannick was cross-cutting between the two. Um, and because I wasn't con- as concentrating on it as much, I was just like, why is everyone so angry? What? Yeah, it took me a bit to sort of settle into how angry this movie is and now the anger is one of the my things i love about this trilogy as a whole because i think it says so much about everything um about why people are sort of designated certain roles in society and everything like that and i think having dina and also her relationship with sam is just like the perfect conduit for this and it is just this kind of um yeah because when they first have that fight when she's sort of saying okay i see what's this this guy groping you we i thought we were in love i was kind of like 
Are you? I'm not sure if you, you. I get you're angry that you're broken up, but I wasn't sure if she was being overly possessive or she's the one who's not letting Sam make her own mistakes toward her own sexuality, all that kind of thing. And then as the movie goes on, and then you kind of understand more and more. And then when you watch it a second time, I'm like, oh, this is all clicking into place. This is all about social expectations and these literally these um, shady side shady siders being sacrificial lambs constantly just generation after generation after generation um, for someone else because some because well Sunnyvale wants to be rich and wealthy and yeah and Dean is kind of the ground zero of this and you get everything through that just through the facial just through her facial expressions which is amazing. I'm glad you called out the anger because even 78 might even start out even angrier than this one. Everybody's so pissed off. And uh, and I think that aspect works better on a second watch because Mm. after a second watch, you're like, oh, like these people actually they don't just feel like they're cursed. They are cursed. They are being squished by this hyper privileged family who's using them. So they all have very legitimate reason to be angry. Uh, and also like Dean is also just angry because she's a teenager who just got her heart broken, yes. which regardless of the reason when you're, when you're a teenager and you get your heart broken, it really fucking sucks. And she really, <laughs> uh, puts that forward very well. And she really does because, um, there was a point I was listening to one of Matt's latest episodes with Carmelita and she did kind of make this amazing point about is uh, the older you get, the harder it sometimes is to watch, um, teenage stories, even though Teenage stories don't change. It's just kind of the trappings around them. But sometimes it can be a little bit more difficult to get through those trappings, which is probably why I was so excited this was set in 94. I was like, this is my time. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I really love that that point. And um, But going back to Dina's anger and all the anger around the movie, that kind – even though it took me half an hour, I was like, oh, okay, I get why everyone's so angry because if you're suddenly just being stalked every few years by a psychotic killer, yeah, I'd be – pissed <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're really going through it over there in shady side did anybody else have the thought that people should just move from this town? <laughs> like, not even move to sunnyvale just move away from this this town because once they go over how many killers have come through even in the past like 50 years you're like oh my god i would leave immediately <laughs> yeah and i think they only showed a handful it's like um <laughs> okay screw it, it Okay, it, yes, there is apparently a witch who is meant to be cursing them and <laughs> they are um, completely cursed and they think it's someone called Sarah Fair. It's not. We'll just get into that. So the, the person who's actually cursing them um, is every few years, every time I'm guessing he wants a new car or a new wing of his house, he's just going <laughs> down to his basement and just summoning a name on the rock so they will go completely crazy and um, and start slaughtering people. <laughs> I thought it was so funny at the end of 66, we go into Sheriff Good's house and I'm like, a cop has this house? A police officer bought this house. Okay. Did he marry someone filthy rich? I don't, yeah. But uh, he's a devil worshiper. So that's why. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. I just love it. Yeah. Um, It's just kind of like, oh my God. So he's basically just building up his, his wealth, his kind of privilege throughout the generations. And he's just going, I just like imagine going, well. I want this to happen down to the basement. Who else am I going to pick out to? <laughs> yeah, they're very petty, <laughs> the the, that family. They're, I, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but someone made a great point on Twitter. This is not my original thought, but like that these guys are so like 
they can't even they're not even big thinkers because they just want to use this power to like keep tiny piece of power like be the sheriff in a town or be the mayor like that's like yeah. as big as they can think <laughs> yeah like that's the, that they're killing people to hang on to this like tiny power for this little town it's like really sad if you think about it like <laughs> the lengths they're going to it's yeah, crazy he- he could be president if he wanted to, if he just kind right. of took, though, thankfully did not take this national, uh, global, but. Maybe, maybe this isn't the devil they're sacrificing to. Maybe it's like a low level demon who's like, this is the best I can do. Yes. Yeah. Like like, I can, I can give you a good demon. life, but I can't get, I can't like make you the governor, but I can yeah. make you mayor of your town. Yes. Like, my jurisdiction yeah. isn't to go outside Sunnyvale. So I can give you some stuff there. Do you want to like be the head of a parade? I can't do much. Like I imagine yes. like a really like low level demon who's like very sad and just like has very little power. <laughs> I love that. Idea. Okay, wait, then can I talk to the devil? No, no, he's very busy. He's not going to talk to you. <laughs> he's like, I can't even talk to the devil. You can't talk to the devil. <laughs> <laughs> it makes De- uh, Deanna's or Sarah or slash Sarah Fair's indignation of what Solomon was doing right at the end when it's like, yeah, what's a few souls? That guy killed 12 children. What are you talking about? And you just want to be <laughs> sheriff? <laughs> Oh, and then his response is the ultimate, well, who's innocent anyway? Uh, yes, uh, it, it's Sheriff Good, everyone. He he is the ultimate good guy asshole. And it is it was kind of, I, for some reason, did not see this coming. I am such a dummy when I'm enjoying something. I just kind of watch it. I'm like, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't think about him much at all in 94. Like, I yeah. he just was like a character that was there, but I didn't put any kind of significance into him and then when they kind of came back around to him i was like oh that guy yeah like i just didn't it wasn't on my radar either so it fooled me too (laughs) um though my first kind of question i guess when it comes to um this movie is when after the rally they're on it's the scene on the bus i do love the scene where um kate who is a great character is kind of just amping everyone up she's like so sick of these sunny bailers they're always giving us shit and you've just got dina lying on the chair with her head just kind of just going oh i hate everything um but that scene when they're about to throw the cooler at the car that's following them dina gets a nosebleed now i kind do you think that's a um a thing that she's close getting there close to sarah's fair's body which they do end up finding after the crash um and that it's like an indication um like, oh, you may be starting to see or get really get Sarah's or transference of Sarah Fair's anger. I don't know. The nosebleed, I'm still puzzling over it a little bit. I'm still puzzling over it, too. I'm not sure if it's just a horror movie coincidence that just gets something bad to happen. Yeah. I'm not sure if maybe it just because she's a she's a shady cider. She just has bad luck. Yeah. Um, or if it has something to do with Sarah Fear. I'm not 100 percent sure. How much of this movie, how much of the horror of this hmm. movie is due to Sheriff Good and how much it's due to Sarah Fear? Because what I know for sure is the opening kill is due to Sheriff Good because yes. that kid was the sacrifice. Hmm. After that, the rest of the horror mostly comes from Sam bleeding onto Sarah Fear's remains. Hmm. And now there's some kind of witch curse. So, so I'm not sure, like, is there still a Sarah Fear curse? And if you bleed on her bones past killers come to life it's like is that due to the witch or is that also from sheriff good's power and if it is why does sarah fear's remains have anything to do with it uh, yeah the connection between <laughs> yeah. sarah fear and and um and the goods i'm still confused with because i sort of took it as you're getting close to sarah fear you're going to see her side of the story as in you're going to realize that the goods are no good 
Um, and then Nick Good also has the power to bring back old killers. Um, like the whole zombification of Sam, I'm still a little bit, okay, I know she, all the, the possession of kind of whatever. So it's kind of, um, and he's sending killers out to kill her because she has been touched by another, yeah, there's multiple curses on multiple curses. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. feel like I hadn't thought enough about this. And now I thought I had it. And now I'm like, wait a minute. What, <laughs> like, wait, what's him and what's her, uh, because Sam's definitely possessed by Sarah Fear, right? Yes. That's okay. <laughs> okay, I didn't get that. I wasn't no, sure I what think, she was being possessed by. I think she's being. I think she's possessed by uh, Sarah Fear at the beginning of the movie, but by the end when she attacks Dina, I think she's possessed by Good. Gotcha. That okay. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I'm watching people's I'm faces. Sure. This is hurting my video. I can watch your faces. They're all like, so wait a minute. Uh, I, now I feel dumb. I feel like people are probably screaming at their phones. Like, didn't you yeah, get it? It was um, it's so simple. <laughs> I do think there yeah. are, I think there are two sources of horror in this series. There is the Sheriff Good stuff mm. and there's the Sarah Fear stuff. I do yes. think there is a witch's curse and it probably comes from the injustice that Sarah Fear experienced. A lot of times ghosts, in 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 horror stuff, ghosts come from some kind of injustice done to them that led to their death. Um, so I do think like her rage reaches beyond the grave. Yes. So some of the stuff is is due to Sarah Fear. Ultimately, it's all because of the goods, because what happened to her is their fault. Mm. Um, so I think there's two things going on in this series. That's what I think. Yes. And it's just um, a thing of when you think it's going to be a Sarah Fear thing or if you think it's going to be a essentially Nick Good or the Goods thing. Um, yeah, it's kind of knowing all that kind of stuff makes the first part so much more interesting because I'm just like, oh, you can kind of see the way Lee Yannick sort of stages anything. You can absolutely see the curses, different curses at work and the kind of the push and pull of, of both of them and kind of this constant history repeating itself, but it just sort of stretches it. The way she kind of carries it through all three movies is actually kind of amazing. So you can kind of watch this as one whole movie or three separate movies, depending on your, on your mood. <laughs> yeah. I do... think. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry, go ahead sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, they, they do tend to, I mean, when you watch all three, I thought they kept getting better because let's just start connecting the, the pieces are coming together. Mm. It's, it becomes a much richer experience. Cause I'm like, Oh, I like part one. And then I'm like, I like part two. And then three comes around and does something that I really didn't expect. Um, which I feel like I should have, but I didn't with it to really link completely back to the first one. And I just felt like, I felt like if I ranked them, it was they got like the 66 is the best one. And going back from that, then 78 then 94. But they're all very close for me. But um, just once they all kind of I love they all connect together like they do. So I, you can enjoy them definitely on their own. But I do feel like it's a much richer experience when you watch all three, especially close together, because oh, when yeah. I watched them a week apart. It was like it was good, but I watched the I, past two days. I watched all three, and it was even better. Might have been watched them second time, but but knowing the characters, but it was yeah. I just really enjoyed the experience of watching them all kind of really close together. Yeah, if Netflix had made the decision to separate them by months, I don't think this would have worked as well because you to have to have the once week every week was great because you still had the last week fresh in your memory, and so it just kind of made each sequence. Um, each sequence of the movie just that more richer because you can just see things fitting together. Um, though I want to get into the other characters in uh, 94, uh, mostly Josh, Kate, and Simon. 
Um, I really, there's some actually some of my favorite characters in the series, especially Josh. I, is it Josh, the brother? Josh, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. He is great. The fact that he's this kind of AOL conspiracy, conspiracy nut and just has almost like a red um, string thing in his basement. <laughs> um, just, I just love right at the beginning, like he's already the one that's kind of figuring this stuff out. So when there's just a, a new uh, murder, he's like, ha. <laughs> No, yeah, I love these characters, too. There's so much the, the cast of this movie is just so much fun to hang out with. Mm. And that's that's maybe the most important thing in teen horror. I think you've got to have a group of teenagers who are fun to hang out with. And um, and I think teen slashers accomplish it more than I feel like a lot of other people do. I hear people talk a lot about annoying teenagers and slasher movies. And like in the Friday the 13th movies. I usually like the teenagers in Friday the 13th movies. Like I really like the cast in part mm. two and part four. Mm. And, and, uh, and I feel that way a lot about this movie. This is a, a slasher where I like the characters so much. I was like, I really didn't want them to die. And like, that's the kind of the point of a slasher movie is to watch teenagers get hacked up. Like that's why you're there. But the, I didn't feel like that's why I was there. Like I wanted these people to all make it out. And there were kills in this movie that had me like, <laughs> like sh like shout in my basement raising my hands up to my head like oh my god like really really shocking stuff going on it really was i was not expecting this series to go as hard as it was because fair street yeah. the original book series is more tween this is the kind of thing you are uh, 12 13 you just kind of want to start reading um a little bit more intense kind of young adult kind of thing so you go for that and this is um I, the only thing I read, because I also read Christopher Pike, which is kind of a step up from Fair Street, which is much gorier, much sleazier. And this kind of felt like that. I did not expect someone to go through a bread slicer or get an axe to the head or even Maya Hawke's murder is still pretty horrific. I mean, the knife to the chest is is still a brutal moment. And, yes, yeah, so when – I mean, I've heard, um, oh, there weren't, weren't enough kills. I'm like, you serious? Because every kill you got was insane. I mean, especially in 78, they are going for gold in that movie. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, in 78 especially. And, yeah, people that want more are like, what kind of monsters are these people? It's like this was – this is – like these are brutal kills. I was that was something I was shocked about because I knew very little like, the movie going in. I just kind of knew like, oh, they're putting out these Fear Street movies, and I kind of knew them as like the slightly more like adult version of R.L. Stein because I read Goosebumps because I was yeah. a little younger. Um, so I always thought Fear Street was like, oh, they're for like the teenage kids and mm -hmm. like um, Goosebumps for like younger kids. And I thought so. I was like, oh, okay, it'll be you know, it'll be a little bit subdued. And then it was like the violence level was like way way higher than I thought it would be. Yeah, and that bread slicer kill bananas like i watched that and i was like whoa did not expect that in this movie and that was another character i remember that was like one of the first major characters i think that gets killed of that group and i was mm -hmm. like horrified I, I i was really i was like no they killed her i don't know i didn't know i was so attached and uh uh you know and the way they killed her was so brutal it was just you know like put your head through a bread slicer um so yeah i was definitely surprised by the level of violence i don't know it, like you can have a bunch of kills but if they're kind of like uh, someone gets like stabbed one time or like you know impaled or something really quick these are like these hit more i feel like even though there's not as many kills i guess no i think you're right because when these guys um decide to kill they really kill i mean even simon's death which is the axe to the head um which i think is um i can't remember who does what in that first movie but it is such a brutal moment because all of a sudden Simon's about to make a joke or something and then all of a sudden um there's this axe that just kind of flies at his head and you're just like holy shit 
Um, I don't know. There was something about the timing and the fact that you really just grew to love these characters. I didn't want Kate and Simon to die at all. And the way they died was just so unfair in a way, which again goes back to what this series is about. It's just the unfairness of what is happening and the cruelty of it. And I love the fact that this didn't hold back. They were like, no, we're making a slasher about the cruelty of this curse. This guy is going around getting, essentially getting, it's like when Daniel said at the beginning, the trickle down. Yeah, he's getting other people to do his dirty work. Um, and it is just, bru- it is so, so brutal. And um, even like when the nurse dies in the hospital, I love the hospital scenes where they're just running down the hall and, um, poor Josh is holding about 60,000 um, chocolate bars and it's just, <laughs> but everything about it is just, yeah, the level of violence is something I was not expecting and it kind of, yeah, because I think the stakes are so much higher that you realise what kind of death, no one dies kindly in this movie, even when you realise what the past killers were were um, doing. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I was surprised by the level of violence as well. I was also maybe even more surprised by the level of sexuality in this series because sex in slasher movies is kind of becoming a thing of the past. It's a little bit more of an 80s thing. You've got it peppered through the 90s and early 2000s. Really not so much anymore. Mm. Um, But this series does. Like uh, Dina and Sam have kind of a sex scene. Uh, There are a couple of more explicit sex scenes in 78. Yes. That just kind of felt like a throwback. And I kind of appreciated it that this wasn't, neutering it for uh for for modern audiences it did feel more like an old school slasher and i thought that was fun no that's what i because i going when we get into 78 that's kind of what i loved about it as well but it was kind of not it was tasteful yet there like you weren't feeling all oh, these kids are being exploited this is i'm not here just for the boobs and the stabbing but i'm getting boobs and quite a lot of butt boy butt which i appreciate because <laughs> in a lot of slashes it's usually with the girls and the fact that it was um 50 50 I absolutely um, appreciated, but with well, we got yes. a female director here, so. exactly yeah, female gaze. There you go, e- yeah. exactly more female gaze. Thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> but it was just yeah. But what I loved about the first one is again Sam and Dina's relationship and the fact that it is a sexual relationship because they do love each other. Kind of heightened the stakes more and made you kind of understand why Dina was just so reluctant to let Sam go. I mean, I was. Look, when Kate says, look, we just have to give them Sam and then we'll be fine because they want Sam. There's no sense of us dying for her. And Dina's like, no, um, we're not giving her up, even though it's a logical thing to do. And I might have been on Kate's side in that moment. Um, it's just, It makes it, yeah, it kind of helps the stakes grow because you know that there are real emotions attached in a roundabout way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I know what you mean. There, it's just like everything. Yeah, everything's kind of more than I thought when I'm going into these. The sexuality, the violence, um, the emotional depth. Because I thought we we're gonna get like really fun, silly slasher movies, and like I didn't expect this very nice like romance that you kind of get into and characters you care about. Um, I meant to say this earlier, but like Josh, the character on the 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 younger brother on the second watch through, like the first watch through, I thought, oh, this is kind of like a stereotypical nerdy brother like he's on the internet he knows the konami code like it's like a big deal he knows like the contract video game code um all that stuff and i'm like this is a little bit much but like i like that actor so much as his benjamin flores his name Mm. um he's so likable like can you come back a second time and i'm like oh i love this kid he's great like i don't care if they're like kind of laying on thick with like the nerd references it's it's it didn't matter i was like super likable kid um so i was uh 
spoiler, I'm glad he made it. <laughs> yes. Um, before we get on to 78, um, who's your favorite killer at this stage? I mean, because everything's very just, you're only, you only really get to know a couple of these guys. But the masks and designs are so cool. Um, which was your kind of more striking design that you were just like, oh, that killer's kind of cool? Hmm. I think I'm going to go with the creepy girl who's always singing. You always hurt the ones you love. Because it's also funny that Simon is always like, she's so sexy, but she's so scary. <laughs> <laughs> she was bleeding black blood. Doesn't matter. She was hot. <laughs> That's tough. I uh, I do like the kind of the original, the skull mask killer. I thought that's a cool look. Uh, it's reminiscent of Scream, but definitely different than the ghost face killer from Scream. But um, I do like that that look. It's so simple, but it's like it just it's a good mask. I like it. I don't know. I kind of like the drifter. He was the guy with the long pipe kind of mask. Oh, um, yeah. it's because it's like turn of the century. Right? I mean, that movie would be terrifying. Um, if you were watching a slasher movie with him and coming out in the dark in the woods would no. So, um, he was the one I was like, Oh God, just, yeah. The fact that he was also drowning. I think he was when he was drowning black people and it was just like, yikes. Um, yeah. And with that, we, um, people have died, people have survived. And <laughs> now they've gone over to, um, Jillian Jacobs, house to try and figure out what the hell is going on um and we're going to go back to camp nighthawk with 19 uh with fair street 1978 um okay so daniel what would the what is the trailer that you would show for um 1978 kind of a tough one to choose um i was digging around for like what other summer Hmm. camp slashers are there and I don't think there's a ton of them. Uh, and if anybody has recommendations for un- like really underseen summer camp slashers, hit me up on Twitter. I'd love to hear about them. But there doesn't seem to be a whole lot from what I can find. Uh, but I decided to go with one because when I watched the trailer, it just seems to have, of all the trailers I watched for this, seems to have the most camp stuff. Seems to have the most reference to summer camp, which is <laughs> Sleepaway Camp 2, Unhappy Campers. <laughs> There used to be this camp about 60 miles from here, Camp Arawak. All these kids started getting killed. Well, it ended up that the killer was the shy 14-year-old girl that everybody picked on. Except she wasn't... Baby, you're supposed to be in the cabin. Let's go. Wait, what happened to the killer? Whatever happened to the good kids in the world? Oh, don't talk like that, Uncle John. There's lots of good kids. We just have to weed out the bad. We need to see this, yes. (laughs) Which is a absolutely ridiculous, unbelievably silly, and also incredibly sleazy uh, slasher comedy, really, from 1988. Incredibly different from the first Sleepaway Camp, which the first Sleepaway Camp is sleazy in an incredibly non-self-aware way. Uh, mm-hmm. This movie is very, very self-aware. And uh, it's pretty dumb, but it's a pretty enjoyable movie. And uh, and it's just got a whole lot of summer camp in the trailer. So I think it'd be a good one to lead up to this. I was not going to lie. I was thinking of the original um, Sleepaway Camp. But um, <laughs> it was just because... I guess everyone's so angry in this in that movie, and everyone's very angry in this movie. I think it was sure. and <laughs> but um, no, I again, I need to see all this trilogy because I do have a very soft spot for that original, um, even without with or without that ending. Um, Matt, what would your trailer be for um, Fair Street nineteen seventy eight? <laughs> 
So funny enough, I was going to go Sleepaway Camp 1, <laughs> but now I'm going <laughs> to take an audible here. And I was going to go the original Friday 13th, but I think I just had the thought. I think this one would fit better. Friday 13th, part six. Jason lives. Jason's alive. We dug up his body. You got to do something. No one in Forest Green wants to be reminded of what that maniac did here. That's why we changed the name. People want to forget this was Crystal Lake. Just because our parents keep telling us that Jason was only a legend doesn't mean it wasn't true. What if he did come back? Looking for the camp counselor that caused him to drown his wife. Because 78 has kids in peril, uh, and so does part six has like actual kids at the camp. So Friday 13 part six is my trailer for this one. It's, it took them six it. movies to get kids at the camp. So <laughs> yes, <crazy. it> did. <laughs> Thank God kids were not present for part five. That is not a movie for children. <laughs> Oh, cool. what's his name? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. One kid. Uh, a sleazy, sleazy movie. Uh, <laughs> he had to eat pizza off the floor out of a van. <laughs> <laughs> what a taco. Um, no, part, yeah, again, I did think about part six just because of the kids. And as we will get into, uh, Friday six never killed, Jason never killed children. Uh, actual, like, not teenagers. Tommy, on the other hand, um, <laughs> goes for it. Um, okay, so since a few of them ones I was thinking of um, have already been mentioned because, again, uh, you're right, there aren't as many um, summer camp horror movies as you'd think there would be. I'm going to go for something completely different. Again, I was kind of having a look at horror movies from 1978 because this is obviously when it started, the main thing started to kick off. But I do remember when I went through a Wes Craven kick, I did watch a TV movie he had made called Summer of Fear slash Stranger in Our House. Linda Blair in Summer of Fear. A terrifying journey into witchcraft and the occult. The summer began like any other until the arrival of Julia. Rachel, you remember Julia? Hi, Julia. Julia is a witch. She is some kind of a witch. Was it jealousy, or was there more? Bill, out of your head! You're not my cousin, Julia. Who are you? Um, which I'm actually going to choose, because this is actually about a witch who's putting a curse on the family. It is a really fun movie. It is um, got Linda Blair in it. And it's just a very, also, and William Cat and some very strange incest moments. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm going to show the trailer for Summer Affair from 1978. What if your cousin was a witch? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, witches. That yes. ties in the trilogy well. It does. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it is set in summer. It's just sitting in a house with a family, but it goes into some very bizarre, strange places. And you're just like going, this was shown on network TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that one. I just know it from Craven Craven. They did yes. an episode on that a little Same. while back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> haven't seen it either, but it sounds really weird and interesting. <laughs> Really is. Um, I was sort of watching going, I still can't believe this was showing on network TV. Even as <laughs> I realized the seventies was a different time, but this is this, I can't wrap my head around it. Um, but no, it is um, a really fun movie. And with that, we are going to get into. You are our last chance. How do we end this? You have to go back to 1978. The first day of camp. Sorry, I'm back. I'm out of 
looks like blood. Do you have a better idea? Maybe. <laughs> Who are you? Nick Good. Bad things always happen to shady siders. You feel it, don't you? There's something holding us down. Who's seen us? Run. This is probably my favorite, and I'm still trying to figure out why. And it might have to do with the fact that this is the most mean-spirited and the most angry. Um, and, oh, and definitely the most violent. Um, so with that, I guess first your reactions when you were watching it, were you surprised it up the anger and the um, violence, Matt? Yeah, no, I because I, I thought the first one was surprisingly violent. And then the 78 comes in, and I'm like, holy shit, they really didn't hold back on this one. Like, uh <laughs> Man, so many stabbings, my God. Uh, and like, and, and it feels like they hurt. Like it is like you just, it, I always say this about Scream too. I feel like the stab wounds in Scream really feel like you could feel them. You know, they just feel just something about them with the sound effect, how they do it. And 78 has like just so many brutal killings. I mean, nobody's off limits. Like there's kids. You don't, I think they do all those off screen when they're actual children. <laughs> but yes. there's one poor little chubby boy with glasses who, uh, is just trying to play color war and gets brutally murdered. But I think it's like behind a door. Um, but yeah, I could not, I was like, wow, they really they took it up another notch. I did not expect that. What about you, Daniel? Were you surprised by the upping of the level? <laughs> I don't know that I agree that it ups the level. Yeah. Um, I do think it speaks to the quality of this trilogy that there seems to be absolutely no consensus on ranking of how they rank because yes. um this one is very easily my least favorite. Mm. That being said, I still really, really enjoy it. I think it's a lot of fun. I think a big reason for that is that I, I latch so much onto Dina and Sam's relationship. And this movie, you don't have that. It's the only mm. one where you have totally different characters. Um, but it's still a really, really fun summer camp movie. I think just like there's no kill that is is as impactful to me as as say like the the bread slicer kill in the first one. Hmm. Um, there are several kills that are off screen where the camera just cuts and you just hear a noise. Uh, I mean, there are some pretty brutal kills in there. There's the ax going to the, the long haired stoner guy's face and it goes yes. into his face several times. And that's a really, really brutal one. So it is a violent movie. Um, but I think it also feels like a step down in horror because there's just one killer in this movie, uh, this which, which I, yeah. I could see being a benefit to some people. They're like, it's, oh, it's more of like just an old school slasher movie. There's not, there is a supernatural twist to it, but less that we can tell, at least the first mm. time we watch the series, it does seem to be just one guy going after everybody. Um, so it's cool. And what a, and what a old school slasher it is, how much it feels at times, especially to me, like Friday the 13th part two, especially because you've got Baghead killer in there. Um, I was going to say, if you appreciated that moment, actually, Dan, if you appreciate when the sack goes on his head. (laughs) Yeah. I love when the sack went on his head. Cause I was like, okay, now he doesn't just look like a teenage boy. Now he looks like a slasher villain. So that was fun. No, um, I can kind of see why that you, this would be a step down. Um, but I think I just really responded to the old school slasher of, of it all because if there's, and I'm probably going to credit this to more Daniel's influence, but in the last 12 months, I have realized how I just, the two genres have clicked musicals and slashes. Like if you would ask me a few years ago, <laughs> um, stage fright. Yes, I was going to say, yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I should, um, if I would have said, okay, musicals are not my favorite genres. I know a couple that I like. Same with slashes. I like Scream, but they're not my favorite because usually I'm much more of a supernatural creature 
that's where my horror jam kind of lies. And then I've just this year, especially watching June's Plantation and watching just old these early '80s slashes or Edge of the Axe, which is '88 but feels like it was filmed in '81. Um, I've just got oh no, I actually love slashes. Give me a guy in a mask and an axe or a knife and um, and some really good set pieces, and I'm all over this. And so I think I'm still on this high of I love slashes. So '78 just gave me everything I wanted. Um, yes, it did have a few murders behind that were um, off to the side, but they were generally the kids. And I'm kind of grateful I didn't see Tommy starting to hack up 10-year-olds, um, especially <laughs> the guy with the poor glasses. He was sweet. He was offering yeah. <laughs> um, the Color War prisoners um, refreshments. Um, he was <laughs> you a nice to play charades. You want to play charades. <laughs> he was a nice boy. And that he's the one that got it. It was just like, oh, come on. Um, yeah, there was more... I really felt the real injustice because you could really see um, it really heavily influenced the differences between a shady cider and a sunny bale more than the first one, because it was more about Sam going over to the dark side, you know, um, dating a boy, even though she wasn't straight. Um, Cause sunny bale is this obviously wealthy conservative um, heterocentric um, town. And she's gone over to the dark side. This one really kind of highlighted the economic um, and kind of differences between the two towns and the injustice of the fact that it was the shady siders that were getting axed. <laughs> yeah, literally, literally axed. Yeah, literally axed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, and maybe you're right that it's not more violent, but I think the implication of, like, murdering 10-year-olds makes it feel more violent, even if we don't sure, see yeah, it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just yeah, it felt more violent to me. I don't know why. Um yeah, it's just that implication of like, because it's that boy, the the color war kid. There's a couple more kids, I think, in a cabin later. Um, like six but of yeah, them. <laughs> I, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's interesting. And this one even comes in like super angry. That that scene with the uh, the rich girl who's chasing Ziggy, played by Sadie Sink, like to and tries to like burn her, and everyone's kind of like, "How far are you going to take this?" You know, it's like she has a lighter. She starts like just burn under her arm and like gives her like a little burn, but still, it's like, wow, these people are pissed like everybody's mad and like just angry and hateful and yeah and yeah. the fact that when you first meet uh ziggy or sadie sink she's running away from obviously these sunny bells but she kind of gets punched in the nose or he holds out her arm and kind of face tackles her and it's just this kind of moment of jesus christ it yeah you really it kind of it may not be actually more violent it just feels more violent because i think this is definitely the angriest of the three movies um, because you also have Ziggy's sister, Cindy, um, that um, she is so hyper-stressed all the time because she's trying to be perfect. She's trying to think, if I do everything right, I will actually get out of this town. When her sister's like going, oh, bitch, please, you're not. <laughs> you're going to get hit by a bus. I mean, this is shady side. Come on. Um, and she was kind of annoying me because she was so ultra, ultra anxious and stressed all the time, though it complete, it makes, again, the choices that the actors are making make complete sense as you find out as even 78 goes along. Um, Cause I love her friendship with Alice and then being stuck underground um, um, under the camp. But um, how they did not find that good house, um, it boggles my mind, but they just obviously didn't go down the right, right shoot. But it's just this <laughs> kind of, um, yeah, it's feels so angry and so kind of immediate. This isn't, um, people trying to figure out, okay, Sam's cursed. We need to do this. This is, oh, there's a, there's a killer after us. We need to essentially run for our lives. 
I'm curious if you guys had this same experience as I did watching it the first time. Uh, when, when both my wife and I, we watched it together the first time, we spent a lot of the movie trying to figure out which sister Gillian Jacobs was because – when when she says like oh by the end of this night my sister was dead and it shows a shot of both of them mm-hmm. and I, at first I just assumed she was Sadie Sink because Sadie Sink is the Stranger Things girl so I'm like well she's probably the bigger star the more recognizable mm-hmm. actor but as the movie went on and it dealt with both sisters pretty equally I, I started to realize like oh I'm not even sure which one of these is going to die which I think is a cool thing and that Gillian Jacobs tells you how it's going to end. But you don't really know how it's going to end because you're not sure which sister it was or or am I am I crazy? Did you guys pick up on it immediately? I think if it hadn't started off, if you didn't see Sadie first, I may have been a little bit more. Oh, it's it, though I did questions like, is this going to be about um, Cindy? Because you do get Cindy's um, point of view quite a bit as well. Um, I was like, oh, I think it's because it's Sadie Sink and she was Stranger Things. It might be her. But yeah, I think the movie is definitely playing that game of which sister because I really do love Emily Rudd's performance as, as Cindy. Um, I think she's really strong and I think she carries actually the movie a little bit better than Sadie does. It could be just an age thing. Cause I think what Sadie's still only what 16 or she's a baby. She looks like a baby. She she's a, baby. a little, little kid. <laughs> she looks yeah. tiny, she's which is like getting romantic, but she's getting kind of like romantic. I'm like, how old is Nick? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he looked older. She looked younger. I, I, I was surprised because I said to myself, how old is this girl? Because, like, Stranger Things, she's been on there for a while. And I think she is, like, 19, even 20 now, possibly. Oh, I don't know why I was going to shot this. crazy. You know, like, she looks super young. <laughs> and he looked older. And I'm like, is this kosher? Is this okay? Um, I, it, the weird thing about, yeah, Daniel, I didn't even think about that. Because I know the movie definitely wants you to be surprised. Because they make a big point. Because at the end, they go back to 94. And they're like, oh, Yersi, Berman, Ziggy. But... Somehow, I don't. I'm not like a twist uh, guessing type person, or I don't. I just I thought Sadie Sink was supposed to be Jillian Jacobs. I I don't know. I never even thought that there was a question. So when they got there at the end, it was like you're Ziggy. I was like, yeah, I didn't know that was supposed to be a surprise. <laughs> one of those weird. I don't know how I knew that. It was one of those weird things. Maybe like Lindsay said, the first person you see is Sadie Sink running. It kind of seemed like she's important. I yeah, I don't know why I thought that, but yeah, it definitely wants to play it like ah, uh, who was the you know what sister survived type thing. So. So, it, yeah, the only way um, – I mean, you could have had Cindy be the one who survived, but the fact that it's – you find uh, when you find out in 66 that it's Nick, um, that he seems so concerned with what is happening with um, Ziggy more than anyone else. Like, it was kind of like – you two just kind of met, like, a couple – what, maybe a month ago, and already he's almost declaring his love. It's like, I'm never going to let anything happen to you. And it's like <laughs> – As teenagers – Yes, I thought, oh, yeah. they must be just teenagers. They must might really just like Romeo and Julieting it at the moment, and then you realize it's like, oh, it's because he's gone down to the basement, done his thing, and now he's like, oh shit, I kind of like this girl. Fuck. <laughs> My wife pointed this out to me when we when we were rewatching it the second time, mm-hmm. and she's like, why did he pick the name of somebody who's at the camp with him, so he has to deal with this? Why wouldn't he pick choose the name of somebody who's not going to be around him? Yeah. <laughs> That's a great point. I had not thought about that. <laughs> that is a really good point. It's like he, uh, yeah, because you kind of get the sense that he's still trying to decide if he wants the legacy because he keeps sort of saying it's not easy being heir apparent, even though when he's saying this, he's already obviously gone down to the to the basement and um, chosen a name. And it's just kind of, yeah, I'm, I still wonder about Nick in 78 because I'm not entirely 
I mean, you can kind of give it away. Okay, he's a teenager. He didn't know what he did. But, yeah, he caused a lot of trouble for himself actually picking someone at the camp. (laughs) (laughs) This was kind of his... Yeah. This movie's kind of his origin story and that like he keeps saying like, well, I'm not sure if I want to be this guy. Maybe I want to be the guy who likes Stephen King and likes the weird girl from Shadyside. Um, yeah. But by the end, he has decided he is yes. definitely going to be the bad guy. Yes. Yes, he is. Um, maybe he liked the fact that he got to be the hero and he liked the attention. I mean, it doesn't really explicitly say that because it just has him at the end going, oh, no, it was just another Shadysider going going crazy. Um, but it's, it, yeah, you do get this and he's trying to decide, um, but maybe because he got to play hero and that fact that he did save, um, Sadie Sinks, the uh, Ziggy, um, at the end, though, I don't know how, uh, I'm not a doctor or anything, so maybe you can resuscitate a person who's been stabbed by restarting their heart. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, he's obviously yeah, maybe he just like the attention of like, oh, you're the hero, therefore you get all the attention and all the good stuff and get to go hunting goats and put taxi. Yeah, what do, what do you guys think of um, Alice's storyline? She's the um, friend who likes to smoke weed and have lots of sex with her stoner boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she was fine. I didn't connect to her like I did the characters in the first movie. Um you know, the first time I watched it, like I liked this movie better the second time than the first mm. time. And, and one issue was I didn't really care about the stuff underground with Alice and Cindy. Uh, I mm. thought all that was like more boring and I wanted to get back up to the the surface where I thought the more interesting stuff was going on. But the second time I realized, oh, they're really setting up 1966 and they're setting up this underground and the names on the wall. Whereas the first time the names on the wall didn't mean anything to me. Mm. Um, so so that stuff was more interesting uh, going back. But um, yeah, I, yeah, she she was a she was a fine character. I didn't like her as much as the, as like Kate and Simon from the first movie. Mm. Yeah, I didn't like her as much as Kate and Simon, but I really did like her. I thought it was a nice performance, especially because how I guess related it back to Cindy. Like Cindy, Cindy's doing everything in her power not to be a shady cider, and um, like interesting. I mean, she. I mean, they keep calling her a, a snitch um, because she tattled on them for stealing something when they were like 12. But it's kind of, um, I think it's, sort of, again, just, I, I know, I just kind of didn't relate to her as much as maybe Kate and Simon, but I did really like her. And as soon as she started giving that monologue toward the end, I'm like, oh, no, you're going to get stabbed. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> that was <laughs> so mean. Talk about mean spirit. Oh, right that's there. Yeah. Really mean. <laughs> was what, about, yeah. what about you, Matt? Uh, I thought she was okay. I, that's funny you brought that up, Daniel. I think that watching all three through again, the stuff that that I don't like or like the least is the stuff when they're kind of down in the cave. Mm. I feel like I just am kind of bored with that. And I know like the name thing becomes important later on, but even that I'm kind of like, none of those characters really matter in the long run. If you think of it, it's like where yeah. we end up. Um, so I'm kind of like, I don't want to really spend time with them. Especially the second time around, I'm like, this is kind of, that's a, the thing about all three movies that I will say is my kind of like one critique, my one big critique. I feel like they're all a little too long. They're all yes, pushing. Yeah. They're all pushing it two hours, even though I think there's like long credits for some reason, these two, but they all feel a little long except 66, I think does a good job because there's so much going on. But the first two, I'm like, these are a little too long for slasher movies. I know they have more going on than that, but then like two, I think suffers from that the most. So like when they're kind of milling around in the caves, I'm not as into that, especially going back to it. I'm kind of like, I'm really not invested in this part of the movie, but um She's she's okay. I, not not my favorite performance. I will say, 
that I, we thought we talked about Dina being like a superstar, that actress. I feel like Sadie Sink, I really liked her in this. I thought she was really, really good. And I just feel like she's like one of those people that you see and she's just very likable, believable. And I don't know. I feel like she could she could carry a movie. And I feel like, um, yeah, I just from the get go when she's being chased, even I'm like, OK, I empathize with you. So, yeah, I thought she was really, really fantastic. Yeah, she has a lot of energy. She does. She yeah. really does. <laughs> like she's. It, yeah constantly moving like she's yeah she's you can tell the one she's keeping the energy up because i didn't love young nick's performance i thought he was fine but i think when he was especially opposite sadie who was just this bundle of energy and movement he was kind of still which i guess for the character makes sense because he is evil incarnate but um or made a pact with evil incarnate um yeah it kind of felt he felt a little flat compared to what sadie was doing and i did really did like her in the um in the movie, which is maybe why I sort of thought, oh, she's the one who's going to survive because she was just the one that you focused on the most. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Though I do agree with um, Matt's point about them being too long and how 78 does suffer from that because it is such more the straight slasher. You have only one killer. It is that really sort of formula of um, sex, drugs, and death. And so have stretching it out to two hours, even though they are really trying to set up more of the mythology for um especially 66 i think yeah i think it does suffer a little bit but the parts that i love about 78 i really love about 78 my take on the length is i agree that 78 could be trimmed up especially like matt said under the cave stuff too much Mm. of that 94 i think the cliffhanger gets dragged on a little too long other than that it's pretty perfect for me Mm. but then 66's length is is perfect for me i love all of that Yes, and uh, with that, we might as well get into 1666. Daniel, what would your first trailer be for this epic um, conclusion? Okay, so kind of like Summer Camp Slashers, I also realized there is not a lot of like 17th century witch horror movies. No. Really not that, that many, and it sort of makes you appreciate that certain Robert Eggers movie even more. I won't mention it in case one of you guys do. <laughs> But I'm going to mention an early 70s movie that I know Lindsay at least is a big fan of, which is a a, a British horror film called Blood on Satan's Claw. When the grave of the devil is disturbed by the plow, the satanic essence of evil wreaks violent and revolting revenge. But it weren't human, sir. There were fur. Then it was an animal's remains. It were more like some fiend. And the evil grows quickly, attacking first the youth of the village and making them the devil's children. Half, look, look. Oh, God, I prayed I'd never see that again. That's what they call the devil's skin. Which is not a Hammer movie, but feels and looks a lot like a Hammer film. So if you're into Hammer, you should definitely watch Blood on Satan's Claw. It is that sort of uh, early European settlement witch horror where they're accusing the children of making packs with the devil except the children are making packs with the devil in <laughs> in this uh it shares a few actors like um matt uh barry andrews from dracula's risen from the grave oh, which we podcast yeah. on before <laughs> yes. he's in this movie uh let's see linda hayden i believe is the actress from mm. taste the blood of dracula she yes. is one of the lead yeah. devil worshipers in this mm. it's a it's a pretty cool movie i haven't seen it in a few years but i watched the trailer and i'm like this is exactly the vibe that i need for uh to lead into fear street 66 no if you want to see some hairy backs you watch the blood of <laughs> um 
No, and also ties in nicely with um, uh, fr uh, Friday the 13th because it has a very s specific two-person murder, which I'm pretty sure they took from this movie. Um, oh, yeah. The two people yeah. having – well, I think in Satan's Claw she's being assaulted, but there's the um, the stake that goes through both of them when they are in a, a, co a copulate or whatever the word is um, um, position. But, no, I do love <laughs> that movie because of just how – again, these, this is a great evil kid movie because, yeah, you, you're accusing these kids of – pact with the devil but they have literally made a pact with the devil they are turning into goats <laughs> <laughs> that that i'm surprised that's not a hammer movie the way you just described it and from what i remember i've heard of it for sure and the people in it i'm like how is this not a hammer movie <laughs> Shop it, might well be. <laughs> it might as well be someone just went oh we're gonna make a hammer movie right this is it and you're like going yeah it's a hammer movie <laughs> oh. matt what would you be your trailer for 1666 I've avoided the obvious trailer every time, and I feel like I should just go for the obvious one. Unless you have it, Lindsay. I, I don't want to do that, though. I'm going to say <laughs> there's, a, there's a movie that's also a Netflix movie that I feel like has been completely forgotten about that I kind of liked called Apostle. Bring her home. Name? Thomas Richardson. I dream of a world in which each waking day we rise equal. This island, it's our paradise. We have an intruder on our land. We have to find him. Your eyes. They've seen things. Who are you? Uh, oh, starring. Gareth yes. Evans, which I thought was from much earlier, and I'm reading IMDb, and it says, in 1905. I could have mm -hmm. sworn this movie looks like he's in the 16, 1700s. Like, it looks much older. Uh, he goes uh, to get his sister from, like, a this kind of religious cult on an, an island. Um, and I feel like when I watched 66, besides The Witch, which we've already kind of hinted at, it's like this movie, yeah. Apostles, like, this reminds me of Apostle, which I have not thought about, really, since I saw it, but I remember liking it a lot, and no one talks about it, because it kind of just, like, fell on a Netflix one day and you know it's like those things can disappear but Apostle I think has the vibe of six of at least half of 66 so I want that one nah. no it definitely does <laughs> particularly with the tree like um and the oh, yeah. of, of, of people to it um no I completely forgot about this movie but I think you're um you're right and Dan Stevens is great in it like he's managed to make his eyes even larger and crazy <laughs> I don't know how he's opening his eyes as wide as he is in that movie, but it's, um, it's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I love this movie, Matt. I'm so glad you brought it up. I was absolutely indignant the year this movie came out because nobody was talking about it. <laughs> nope. And if they were, people yeah. were largely shrugging their shoulders at it. I think it's amazing. It is so fucked up and weird and gross. <laughs> and much like I said about Devin Sawa on Final Destination, Dan Stevens is giving a great twitchy weirdo performance <laughs> in this. I love twi twitchy weirdo protagonists. Uh, this is an awesome movie and definitely has the vibe uh, that I think is necessary for this. Okay, I'm glad someone else remembers it. Honestly, I, saw that. Yeah, I love Why it. Why does no one mention Apostle anymore? It's so it's that Netflix uh, thing where sometimes they put a movie out and it just kind of like it's like being thrown into like a big bin and just disappears. It's like a black hole sometimes. Like. They talk about it for a weekend and then it's like 
goodbye. We'll never talk about you again. <laughs> you know, so people should watch Apostle. It's it's a definitely an interesting movie. If you don't think it's good, I think it's really, really good. But it's and it's Gareth Evans, who's a great director. He did the Raid movies for crying out loud. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's also got uh, Michael Sheen and Lucy Boynton, right. who's from a yeah. Lucy Boynton from another great Satan um, Satan movie. It's. No, it is really great. And I actually had forgotten about it, which I think is a Netflix thing. And I think, Dan, uh, Daniel, you tweeted out this thing of what happens when Netflix goes under and there are no physical copies of these movies. And you were, I think you were referring to um, Fair Street because I think it was just after the, one of the second one came out or something. Um, and I agree because I hadn't thought about Apostle in months when now I'm like, oh, my God, I love that movie. Why don't I watch this again? Because it is just as such a fun, such fun movie. Yeah. I worry about original streaming content. And when I tweeted that, I had this guy come at me like I was insane for thinking Netflix <laughs> could ever go out of business, but like blockbuster is gone. New line is gone. Like companies do go under eventually. And I've watched a lot of movies this year from specifically from 1931. That's mm. 90 years ago. Like, can yeah. you watch these Netflix originals in 90 years? Maybe we can, but I don't know. It's just something I kind of worry about. No, I think it's true. I mean, how Netflix was the first one out of the gate with this kind of streaming idea. And now everyone's copied it to the point where now they're making their own original content. It's not. Yeah, I think I can imagine a world easily within 10 to 15 years where Netflix is not a thing. And then I'm like, so what happens to these movies? What happens to these shows? What happens to this content? Does it just disappear? Like 85 percent of the um, silent movies that came out in the 1920s, they're just gone. Yeah. That, and mm -hmm. no company is too big to fail. People, I don't know, people think yeah. that where they're like, yeah. they can't fail. Like, no, no, and no company is too big to fail. Like, no. there's so many things back in like the 90s that I thought would be around forever, like uh, like short stores I would go to, and they're just gone. So uh, Netflix could go down one day, and then their library could be pieced out. I don't know how. I don't know how it would work. It's like mm -hmm. Like someone could buy. Maybe somebody wants to buy the Fear Street movies, but they don't want to buy Apostles. Then what happens to a movie like that? Is it just lost in the abyss you know it's like so it's weird I, we're gonna see it probably like maybe 10 15 years where somebody some big screen some company goes down and like maybe they get bought by somebody else or they fold into someone else but it's gonna be weird i don't know all the behind the scenes things on rights and things like that but um it's a good point to bring up it definitely could happen at some point yeah you're right and i hopefully it doesn't i hope um apostle finds its way um these movies sort of stay around because Yes, Netflix can be very hit and miss, and I don't intend to watch it as much as some of the other ones, but when I do find something like Apostle or Fair Street, I'm like, no, I'm glad I have Netflix, but I want to keep these movies around. I mean, Criterion's picked up, like, um, Scorsese's The Irishman, the Irishman yeah. but that's because it's Scorsese. It's not <laughs> because it's... Yeah, yeah Scorsese's yeah. movies aren't going to go anywhere. I'm not no, worried about like, that. He'll be but, safe, but yeah. <laughs> but that's the one that gets picked up for the Criterion. I'm like, can someone please pick up The Apostle now? That would be great. <laughs> I would love to own that on Blu-ray. <laughs> I, I only own two Netflix movies. One is The Irishman on Criterion, and one is a bootleg of The Night Comes for Us, just because I have to have <laughs> a physical copy of that at all times, just in yes. case. <laughs> oh, again, another movie that needs to be on Blu-ray because, oh, I would love to own as the night comes for us because holy hell. <laughs> I want a nice Scream Factory box set of the Fear Street trilogy. I just, yes. I really hope that happens. Yes, me too. That would be just perfect. I could just have weekends where I could just sit down and just, but special features, it'd be, it'd be amazing. Though I never watch my special features. I really should. Um <laughs> I would say I'm going to, and they never do. Um, okay, so my trailer, you're right. I was really trying. I didn't particularly want to watch the uh, thing, The Obvious, which is The Witch, which is a great, great movie. And I think 
um, this movie tries to do what the witch did, but yet does the opposite of what the witch does. It's an interesting combination. Um, okay, I'm gonna actually going to go for black and white. I'm going to go for another witch uh, movie, but I'm going to go for, for Black Sunday, Mario Barber, 1960. Horror. Anguish. And terror are powerful words. But more than words, the chill language of living images shows that the mask of Satan is a picture of unparalleled emotion. It tells a tale of a strange, dark fascination set in a spine-chilling atmosphere of fear. It's death! I've just seen death! Um, this movie's gorgeous. I still can't believe that it was Mario Barber's first movie. Um, it is such a beautiful thing to look at. The way he uses the black and white and Barbara Steele in this role is stunning. Um, yeah, so it's going to be Black Sunday. It's <laughs> a good pick. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic pick. Uh, you could, <laughs> even you could... You could either show the trailer or you could just show like the opening scene yes. and then lead right into this. That would be awesome too. <laughs> I know. It's just when you see that mask and then the hammer, you're like, oh God. <laughs> That's awesome. For, is it 1960 that movie came out? 1960, yeah. It's it feels like, it, like... <laughs> yeah, it looks like it comes from 1940, but then it's, it's but it's an absolutely 1960 Italian movie. Yeah, because yeah, it's more that... fucked up. Way yeah, it is really. I was shocked how fucked up it was. I think I watched that finally because Daniel, you and Chris Hurtado did an episode on cobwebs about it. I think. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I was like, I gotta watch the movie. I, I was so glad I did because it was fantastic, and I couldn't believe the stuff they were doing at that time. But that opening scene is like, mm. wow, like knocks you on your ass immediately. <laughs> it is one of the great opening scenes, and though I will argue that sixty six has one of my favorite scenes. It's going to be one of my favorite scenes of the year. Um. Which involves a church and eyeballs, but um, <laughs> it's it's just maybe not as gnarly as what um, Black Sunday does, but it is still like oh okay. Um, again, he sees so, a bunch of dead children. It's like I love this. One of my favorite scenes of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay's it, top scene of the year. Um, Erica from Unsung Horrors will be proud. Let's just say oh, that she will. She will. <laughs> Okay. I give you a hard time, but I, I'm sure I like messed up stuff too. I'd be like, that's a great scene. It's like, that's completely fucked up. <laughs> okay, yeah. I can't see her loving the series, but for all the child murder, she might appreciate it a little bit. <laughs> that right there, she's going to be like, all right, I'll watch it. I'll all right, it. fine. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so when you sort of like the end of 1978, it sort of sets up that Dina is either going back in time or kind of seeing Sarah Fair. Did you think that she was going to be more of a quantum leap situation, which is going to be implanted in Sarah Fair's body? Or did you think it was going to be what it was, which was her witnessing history? What the hell? You see it now. Sarah! The devil has come to feast on our misdeeds. And his darkness grows within each of us. Sarah Fear, you know nothing good comes from those woods after sundown. What was that? The truth will follow you forever. 
know, I never thought about a quantum leap situation, which might have been interesting, especially if Dean Stockwell was following her around the whole time making <laughs> sex jokes. Uh, <laughs> but no, this was pretty much what I assumed and that we were going to see what happened. But I did think I, I really liked what they did and that instead of having us get used to a new cast, which would have been fine. I mean, I love <laughs> horror anthologies. That would have been fine. But I like that the 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 series just expects us to get it. Like we're just going to use this other cast just to tell this story and just go along with it. And, um, and I did, and I thought it worked really, really great. Cause I loved the cast of both of these movies. And I like that we got to see both of them together in this one, uh, final chapter. No, you're right. And I like how, um, you do like, you see everyone sort of come back with this kind of last kind of thing. And, they are their characters, but they're not at the same time. Because, again, it goes back to the whole history repeating itself. This one town just being trapped in this one place to be forever being picked off um, at the edges. And, yeah, I this is I think this is the movie when I really fell in love with Adina. I think even though her Irish or whatever accent, some of the accents are a little bit patchy. But <laughs> I think this is the strongest performance. You really see what she's capable of when um, she's Sarah Fair. What do you think, Matt? Uh, funny enough, I, I thought there was going to be a quantum leap situation. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, she'll go back and like actually experience this, like be in the body and be kind of trapped as, uh, as that, but have to get back somehow or be knocked out of it, yeah. um, you know, at some point. But no, more of a vision, I guess. So uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was not actually looking forward to 1666. Like when because I'm we're kind of more modern slashers. We're going way, way back now. And I'm like, what are they going to do for 66? Like this is such a radical jump and like, how are they going to pull this off? And then it ended up being my favorite. I loved the stuff and even the stuff in 66. And it was so funny because first time I watched it, like I did like they brought the cast back. I was like, Oh cool. All the familiar faces. I love that. And I had to stop in the middle and take like a, a lunch break or something. And I was doing this and like came back and like came back perfectly right when it goes back to 94. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, perfect. And for some stupid reason, didn't think that they'd spend that much time back in 94. I thought they'd like resolve the story more in 66. And then, you know, but like, I think it's half the runtime is or a little less is like back in 94. And I was so happy that, oh, we're back in 94 now. Um, but <laughs> but the 66 stuff did not bore me. I thought I'd be bored. I don't know why. But um, I was very invested in the stuff that they were doing in 66 and setting up all the things that come later and yeah i thought everybody was still good like the accents you said are a little spotty but that's okay <laughs> um and everyone was joking like are we gonna get like uh baroque like needle drops like we're gonna get like <laughs> like a guy playing like, the flute, like the a flute, flute or something there. yeah coming around playing like a modern song um they didn't go for that i'm pretty sure unless i missed it but <laughs> yeah um no it was better than i thought because i the one i was probably least looking forward to and then the whole thing ended up being my favorite part of the whole trilogy <laughs> so I was a little worried we were going to be spending two hours in in the in 66, which on the face of it, I shouldn't have been because I do love uh, history. I love spending time in historical movies. So I but I thought, oh, are we going to be able to stretch this story out for um, two hours in just um, and what happens to the 90s? So I'm kind of really glad how they structured it, having 45 minutes in um 1666 and then another 45 minutes in back in 94 kind of resolving everything especially when you find out what's actually happening the fact that it is um solomon good who has decided that america is just not panning out the way he thought it would and the way he thought he deserved it should be so he's just going to make a pact with uh some low-level demon who can't even get to the mm -hmm. devil but 
um, he's made a pact and now he's just going to continually sacrifice people so um, the crops will grow, Um, which I kind of love that notion. I love it's just the perfect amount of time. You see what happened. You see what happened to Seraphir. You see the beginnings of the relationship with – Sam slash Hannah and it all um it all kind of makes perfect sense and then you can go straight back into 94 and the action just continues straight away yeah you guys know how much I love my period horror so this is the one I was looking forward to the most actually um I am a huge fan of Robert Eggers the witch which we've mentioned a little bit so I was hoping for something like that and this I feel like not enough people are talking about how this this trilogy is kind of revolutionary in two ways. One, it's I believe it is the first mainstream teen horror movies to center around a queer relationship. I don't yes. think that's yeah. ever happened before, which is pretty mm. amazing. But then also, I think this is the first like teen horror movie set in like 17th century about witches. And yes. I realized that like, <laughs> oh, I want more of this. Like, this is awesome. Like, usually... <laughs> Seventh, like a period horror movie about witches or something is going to be far more artsy and important like mm. the Robert Eggers movie. But this is like the teen horror version and, and, and all the, the young people in the settlement, they go off one night out of the month and just like do drugs and party and maybe have sex out in the woods because it's a teen horror movie. They go yes. party. <laughs> I thought all that was super fun. I've just never, ever seen that before. No, I love the code word that they'd use to see if who's going. It's like, oh, the more I can't remember the exact phrase, but they'd say a phrase to each other. So the parents wouldn't know about it. But they'd go, oh, yes, good morning to you, too. And they'd say the reply back to say, yep, I'm going to be there. I'm going to take the berry. It's going to be lit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love Um, that touch. Yeah, people had to have fun in 1666. It's like, you know, I'm sure teenagers are still trying to party with each other if they had to drink like berry wine in the woods and dance around a fire you know i'm sure it's like gotta have fun some way so yeah that was that was a nice little touch i thought no it really really was and um going back to daniel's point yes this is the first sort of major mainstream horror movie to center around a um queer couple but i kind of love the fact that not that people have ignored it but kind of people just taken it as a oh yeah sam and uh sam and dina um they're in love that's it's I love the fact that it is the first one to do it, but I love the fact that it is, well, the people I have been at least following have, that is not the thing that they are kind of referencing. It's the fact that it's the two characters that are in love, if that makes sense. It's kind of just the same as any other romance. It's not, um, even though it should be celebrated, I love the fact that it is just taken as a, yeah, this is cool. Let's go with it. Kind yeah, of I like thing. that touch that it's like because it's the it was in 94 when, of course, more people would have an issue with it than yes. nowadays, I would imagine. So but it sets up as like just two teenagers who have a relationship and it doesn't make the movie doesn't make a big deal about some characters mm-hmm. do like the mom of uh, uh, Sam. Is that I'm blanking. Yes. I just, uh, you know, she has a problem with it. But I haven't thought about that. I thought other maybe horror movies had done this or slasher movies had done this with like a queer relationship. But I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah, that's that's pretty groundbreaking. It was cool how they handled it i thought she did a really good job yeah so it's kind of the movie doesn't make a big deal out of it so you don't make a big deal out of it no i quite i just liked it you were just focusing on the relationship of it all and that's what i just really loved i mean it does make a bit of deal out of it in the 66 because it is 1666 it's the 17th century um and i love the whole conflicting between the two when they've realized that they've had this amazing moment together they've kind of released their feelings kind of said no I'm absolutely attracted to you and then poor Hannah's dad goes crazy it's like the worst timing (laughs) (laughs) 
Like, did I do this? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is cool. Like 1994 doesn't like give a reason for it to be a queer relationship. Not that it needs to, and you don't feel like it does. They just feel like yeah. teenagers in love. But then by 1666, there is a reason for it because their relationship needs to be the thing that they think has caused the devil to curse the town and what yes. leads them to be accused to be witches. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Um, because if there's one way you're going to accuse a woman to be a witch, well, you could, she breathed the wrong way. That was one way you could accuse a woman of being a witch, but being, <laughs> um, but not being a part of the norm as in, being the widow who lives away from the city, who know who from the community, who knows a bit too much about herbs. Oh, she's a she's a nurse, she's a healer. Oh, but she knows about herbs. She knows how to do things we don't. Or oh, she doesn't seem to want to get married and follow into the normal society patterns. Um, and I kind of like the theme that the town is being. I don't think the town isn't being punished for this relationship because Solomon Good has got his own agenda and he doesn't particularly care who Dina, uh, who um, Seraphir is falling in love with. He's, um, he, it's not his concern. His concern is about himself. So the whole idea, the fact that Seraphir was um, gay and had this romantic relationship with a woman is the reason why the town is cursed, but it's actually some rich dude who's just selfish. It's kind of a smokescreen that society can kind of put up a, about um, uh same-sex relationships when it's actually about something completely different that's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That made any sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. And, yeah. and speaking of a uh, rich guy who's selfish, like you, Lindsay, you said earlier, Kiana Madria, you think this is her strongest performance in yeah. this movie. And I agree with you. I also think um, Ashley Zuckerman, who plays Sheriff Nick Good and Solomon Good in this, he's so good in this one. He's like terrifying. He's great. I mean, for one thing, for a lot of the runtime, He's super likable yeah. and you do feel like he's a guy that's on um, who's on Seraphir's side more than anybody else. And he seems to be the only one in the town who has kind of a more modern perspective and doesn't isn't interested in the witch hunting that everybody else is. But then when he turns, he's also really scary at that point, And it's a really great turn. Um, I think he's great in this movie. He's such a good villain. No. Yeah. Because in the first um, movie, you got the feeling that he kind of wants to believe them or he kind of understands what the kids are going through, but for some reason he's being cagey, but he's going to come up and be the hero. Um, but he isn't. He's the actual villain. And I love the moment in 78 when young Nick Good has complete blood on his hands. Like, he's just covered, and he just wipes it on his T-shirt. Like, he sees the blood on his hands, which he's called, but he's just wiping it off because it's just not his. It's this very blunt, obvious thing now, but I love the symbolism of it all. But when Solomon turns... It is terrifying. Just the way he starts justifying um, justifying himself about, yeah, what's a few um, deaths here and there? And it's just like, no, that guy killed 12 children and then cut out their eyes. And you're hoping that he cut out their eyes before he killed them. Um, it's, it is just this absolutely terrifying moment of what this guy is, the uninterestedness that Solomon has about what has happened. I mean, he acts because uh, he goes in, when he goes into the church and finds him does he does he have that kind of like he's praying to god about why this has happened look when you first see it or i can't remember what his action is it looks like he's kind of looking up at the ceiling like he's kind of looking to god but i think it's now he's like going 
<laughs> oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. I'm trying to remember this, the exact moment. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to struggle. I could be inferring something that wasn't in the movie, but he's looking horrified. But when you think back on it, I think it's not horror. It's, oh, I did it. I have the power. Look. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think I could be reading too much into it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You might be right. Um, I'm glad you brought up that, this actor, Ashley Zuckerman, though, because mm. I think he's fine when he's in modern time, uh, Nick Good, like as a sheriff, but I felt like. If I didn't know better, I would have thought it was a whole different actor because he does look different, too. He has a beard in 60 and his long mm. hair compared to, like, clean shave and short haircut. I don't want to derail this because, <laughs> Lindsay, this is about American football. I don't know if this will mean anything <laughs> to you. And, Daniel, I don't feel like football at all. I don't, I don't we even talk about this. But when he has long hair and a beard, he looked so much like Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. It was distracting to me. <laughs> like, maybe it's just me. I tried to look at pictures, but I'm like, the eyes, they have these, like, deep-set, dark eyes. And, like, just, I was like, it's Aaron Rodgers in 1666. <laughs> like it was really bothering me, but um, just I had to say that because it was the whole time I was like, "That's so weird." They looked alike, but he, I, he's good as the sheriff. But I feel like he's great back in 66. He really gets to shine in 66. Like that's like his performance because he gets to be. Like, yeah, you're like he seems cool at first. He's nice. Completely turns it. Um, he's really getting to act in that movie, and I feel like I completely like. I thought it was a whole different actor for a second, but I'm like, no, no, everyone's just you know playing these other. I was like, oh, it's the same guy. Yeah, it's crazy. So yeah, I thought he was really good. <laughs> No, I think you're right. I don't understand the football thing. And <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I do like Draft Day, even though, as I've said before, um, that movie is like watching a movie in a foreign language without the subtitles, yet I still enjoy it. Um, yeah, no, I think... There we just go through it, and I explain to you what's happening. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Lindsay, this is the... the <laughs> so what is this? <laughs> what is this all about? Um... No, I think the performances in 66 are the strongest. I don't know if it's because they obviously probably filmed this one last and all everyone's got a handle on their characters and they can kind of really just let loose with the with the dramatic and the acting of it all. But no, you really get invested. And it is, it is probably the most, even though I think there's, uh, even though in my mind 78 is probably more the, got the most violent, this is the most horrific one because you're really sort of seeing everything laid bare. You're really seeing what happened to Sarah Fair and the injustice of it. The fact that she has just, her ghost, as you said at the beginning, or Daniel said at the beginning, is just there festering. She has all this unfinished business because this is still happening. This town is still hurting. She's the only one who knows the truth. And she sacrifices herself um, for Hannah. So Hannah will not be accused as a witch. Um, and it's got this amazing kind of everything kind of clicks together and makes sense. And yeah, um, Dina and Ash, uh, Gia and Ashley are absolutely incredible, especially that scene when they're underground. It is such this powerful moment. And when Dina is screaming because she's lost her hand, you feel her pain. I mean, that scream is amazing. Like you really feel like you get like when you're saying you feel all the stab moments, like all oh, that hurts. You feel the pain that she's in when she's yeah. actually physically lost her hand. It's like, ow! That hand <laughs> moment is brutal. Like, yeah. I don't, it's, because at first it's not fully off, which is almost worse in some weird way, yes. that it's not fully separated from the arm. And yeah, I think it's her performance is just, like, pure agony and just like and then it gets cut off and like i always think about this in movies too i say this too it's like if i lost my hand i think i would just stand there and scream at the stump for like i couldn't run away she like runs away and like puts you know stuff yeah. over it i would just be like screaming <laughs> like yeah, i'd just be staring at the bloody thing screaming my head <laughs> off i don't yeah i would not be thinking. <laughs> moment. 
<laughs> maybe the most brutal thing that happened through the whole to me i just i don't know why just the trauma of that hand moment is was like one of the most brutal things in the whole trilogy to me <laughs> yeah it was like something out of the evil dead remake yes. oh yeah yeah yes. mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. um yes and then and it's kind of got the sad moment where you see again uh, Lee Yannick or Janik, I know sure how to pronounce her name, but she's constantly kind of cross-cutting to emphasize certain moments. And I think she's cross-cutting uh, uh, sorry, Sarah's confession with a few other things that is happening in the town. And it makes it so sad. Like you're just like gutted that this happened because you just kind of want someone to go, wait, I can kind of see the logic, but the only logical person is the one who's making, uh, is is about to be put to death. And the other one is, making a pact with the devil. It is, um, they're the only two people who know the truth and yet they're not going to do, they can't do well. He can, but he's not. And she physically can't do anything about it. And it's kind of gut wrenching in a way. Cause she's like, Oh, Oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Her confession scene is so heartbreaking. Oh, That's probably her strongest moment as an yeah. actress in the series. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we go, I love how it's just the big 1994 part two, like you sort of, <laughs> and I can't remember the music they play over it, but it's just that, yep, we're back in the nineties and, um, back to again to these characters, like, uh, cause I was actually very upset when, um, Josh died in, <laughs> in 66. I was like, oh, what? Yeah. No, yeah. when you see him eyeless, you're like, no. <laughs> yeah. That kid's just so lovable. Yeah, you just want to give him a hug, even though he's yeah. kind of useless around the house. But um, <laughs> He's on chat rooms. He's really busy. He is busy. He's got things. He's got conspiracies to work out. He's got things to do. Um, um, and so you're going back to 1994, uh, and I love how it just kicks off. Again, you know what's happened, and you know that it needs to be dealt with. And that moment when Dina realizes that it's Nick good, and then – I don't think he changes his expression, but you now are putting, you're like, oh, no, you're not, you're not good. You're not going to help them. You're going to send <laughs> killers after them. Um, you're bad. You you need, they need to run away. And the fact that they steal his police car is the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so like immediate when they jump back 94, it's like, we got, we got shit to do now. Like it's yeah. like, it's, I love that jump back. Like you said, it's just like 94 part two. And then we're just immediately back into it. And it feels like, we've got business to take care of now. And I feel like it's so immediate. I like the energy that made a fair part of the whole trilogy is like that, that second part of 66, we're back in 94 and specifically the, the mall kind of trap they set is like yes. my favorite stuff of any of the movies. I just love that scene so much. Um, but I don't want to jump too far ahead, but yeah, like they set that whole plan up and just get the crew together. I love that they go recruit that guy, Martin, who I kept calling graffiti guy, uh, the graffiti <laughs> guy. Um, and just recruit this little team and set a trap. Um, I don't know. I just love that whole, that whole like urgency and we're back in it. We got to do this now. We know what to do. So no, the, the fact that um, they have a whole Goonies ending, or I just called the Goonies <laughs> ending, which might I mean, oh, it's this eighties, the kids coming together to defeat the bad guy. Yeah, thing. Yeah. <laughs> I always call the Goonies. Um, I absolutely love, I love the booby traps that they're sitting up in the mall. I love the fact that they get Martin um, and they just ask him, do you want to go kill Sheriff Good? And he's just like, yep, I'm on board. <laughs> Let me get my coat. Let me get my coat. <laughs> Um, I'm in. And then, um, and even though he, it's just this kind of, yep, I'm in for whatever's about to happen. And the fact that, um, Ziggy as, uh, Jillian, uh, Gillian Jacobs instantly believes them when they go back and tell her, uh, yeah, that 
Nick that you kind of had a romantic fling with at the camp when you died. He's the one who caused it. She is on board straight away as well. There is no having to convince anyone to go and kill um, Sheriff Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone's on board pretty quick. <laughs> Which is good because we just spent an hour of, for us to be convinced. So it's like, yes. oh, let's move right along. Let's yeah, get to that's business. what I'm saying. They don't, there's no wasted time when they get back in 94. It's like, go, 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 go. Like we're just, we're moving at that point, which I really yeah. love. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's exactly. exactly. And I love the fact that we're back at the mall. I'll, I love the fact that they're using those doors to someone who has worked in bookstores. Those kind of doors are the bane of my existence. I know exactly <laughs> what they are. So when they were using them as like the trap things and the trigger things, I was just like going, ah, yes, this, I love, I love this, this so much. I relate to this so much. And the fact that they kind of set the, um, killers on each other is one of my favorite scenes because you get them all in one group and they just start hacking each other's to pieces and it's just a fun little <laughs> moment <laughs> amazing that's my like maybe the highlight of like just having all these like slasher characters just brutalize each other i love that i'm like we need this in more movies <laughs> yes! like slasher battle like just give it to us. I, I was like yes that was the peak i think for me was the slasher just brutalization of each other <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's it's really great and just the look on his face when he realizes because um, I love how they keep calling back, like, I'm going to carry him um, when they're going to pull the blood on him or um, just the whole um, thing of uh, just the going back to the mall and everything kind of, it's the whole thing of, oh, you've watched all these kind of things and now they're all going to coalesce in this one thing. The fact that they kept the tree, the fact they just built the mall on top of the camp and then has just kept the tree. I kind of love, even though the logistics of it is quite incredible. Um <laughs> It's the fact that, and yeah, it's, um, I even love the stuff when you go back into the tunnels, because I think I'm a bit more of a fan of the tunnel stuff in 78, but the fact that they go down there and then you see that pulsing heartbeat, whatever that is, of just that mess and just the fights and um, everything. I don't know. It's just, it just all clicks for me and I love it. Yeah, it's all so, so good. Um I I have a question. Okay. Yeah. So part of their big trap thing is using Dina's blood to attract the monsters. So they yes. like mix it with some liquid and they spray it. When did Dina's blood become important? Why does why does Dina's blood attract the monsters? Didn't she bleed She's, on the hand? And that's how she had the vision? She, I think she always thought it's either bleed on the hand or you touch the hand and you oh, see the vision. Yeah. And okay. that's yeah, and that's when um the blood becomes important because that's why every, all the other guys were after Sam is because mm. she bled on the bones or she saw had the bled on the bones and saw the vision. And I think it's always every time someone sees the vision of Sarah Fair, Nick gets worried that they're going to discover what's actually happening. So he starts um, sicking the monsters on them. And that's kind of and they already knew this. Like, again, when I was going back to the callbacks, they already know that the blood is important. They already know that the monsters, those killers are going to be coming for them. So they kind of get ready. The kind of obviously Dean has learned from the mistakes of the first movie. And now they got the super super soakers which is the most 94 thing in the movie um uh-huh. ready to go <laughs> okay i gotcha and i will also say my previous uh possession question of like why is sam possessed who's possessing her i, I got that answer because i have fear street 94 on in the background without sound while we're recording <laughs> and i just saw nick uh carve samantha's name into the wall so she's possessed the same as any of the other killers are possessed oh, at that moment okay. yeah 
Yeah, because I did hear a question of like, why does Sam go back to normal when all the other killers don't? I'm like, well, the other killers are dead. They they yeah, are killed. Right. Sam <laughs> yeah. was never killed. She um mm-hmm. she tried to kill Dean. I mean, to be stabbed with a piece of wood, I think, is just... Yeah, they... was... I was like, what? <laughs> kill her for <laughs> um, a that... second and bring her back, yeah. Yeah. And but that is just to release the um the vision um and to release so the other guys don't follow her, but it doesn't mean that good can't carve her name into the rock and make her go um on a killing spree. Um yeah, I just I don't know why this all works. It's just everything kind of works is all I can really say about it. I love the fact they have super soakers. I love the fact that um, Josh steps up to the plate and tries to axe a few of the killers. Um, I was really worried that he was going to get it. I was like, oh, no, this is a movie that kills people I like all the time. Don't. <laughs> please not, Josh. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love this finale. I mean, it's like a great big battle. And I realized watching it that, like, this is a this is a huge horror epic with a budget the kind that we don't get very often and i feel so lucky that we have it you know it's kind of like uh the recent it chapter one and two which is also a big horror epic but but honestly i like this better so to me this is even better than that and uh this is just the kind of thing that is not made very often at all and i feel so lucky (laughs) that we've got it no, because we get a lot of horror, and I am grateful, but we don't get this kind of horror. And I'm one of those weirdos who like both It movies. I like It Chapter 2 as much as It Chapter 1. Now, I realize there are issues to It Chapter 2. I don't care. I get Bill Hader and James Ransom <laughs> being gorgeous, and I love those characters enough where everything I can just let everything else kind of float away. Um, and, yeah, and kind of the same, I think, with um, this one. Every issue that I can see I don't care because the stuff I love in it I really love and the moment when I love and I love the fact that it's Sarah Fair who comes back to kill good it's not Dina per se it's actually Sarah Fair and she says that line of I will always I can't remember the exact quote but it's I will always be there I will always know what you did you cannot erase that and she's the one that takes his eye out which is just perfect I think I love that too Mm. Because a lot of a lot of witch horror, and as much as I do love it, and I do, mm. a lot of witch horror has the problem of like it's 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 taken from real life historical events where real women were murdered over this. Mm. But then witch horror movies turn into like, ooh, witches are spooky and evil, and they're out yes. to get us. So yes. it <laughs> it makes the women who are accused the actual villains, which is a little bit of a problem. But it's horror movies, so we get over it, and it's fine. But this puts her then into the hero position by the end. And that's, that's really great. It really, really is. And again, I love the fact when they find Nick Good's house and you're just looking at this house going, a cop afforded this house. <laughs> oh, wow. He must be going down in that basement like every couple of, every few years, just to, as I said, to build another wing. Cause it's insane. And Though my fa- the, the cherry on the top is when they walk outside, you see some of Nick Good's neighbors looking at them going, who are these scruffians? They're covered in mud and goop and whatever. And then one gets hit by a truck. <laughs> it's just like, yes! The <laughs> sense <laughs> of awfulness has been, has been um, restored. <laughs> I think one thing to say about this movie is it sticks the landing. Like, oh, I yes. did not know how well this thing was going to stick the landing. But when it finished, I was like, Perfect, like paid off perfectly, I thought. Stuck with Andy 100%. Um, 
like had no complaints about how it wrapped up. Honestly, I uh, yeah, that's why when it, it was like a magic trick. It's like Lee. Uh, we got to give her a lot of credit. Lee yeah. Janiac, I think is how you say her name. To put this thing together is like really an outstanding achievement. And um, I I don't know if you guys knew this. I I didn't know this. I thought this was specifically made for Netflix, but this was supposed to actually be put in theaters. Apparently, this was like a Fox property oh. and when the whole disney fox thing happened i guess somehow yeah. netflix got it but yeah I, this was original i don't know how they're going to do it if it was gonna be like every few months or something one a um, year it was going to be originally you're gonna wait a year oh my god that would have yeah. been yeah. brutal <laughs> I, so yeah um the way that she put this together is like brilliant i think she deserves all the credit because it's hard to put all keep, juggle all these pieces and then pay it off like you do you know and just yeah i just thought it was just an amazing accomplishment and you don't get usually like what you think are slasher movies that are this, there's so much going on. You know what I mean? This is not like a simple, straightforward. I mean, I love Hellfest, but it's a very simple, straightforward slasher movie, but I love that about it. But this is, we don't get this. Like Daniel said, we just does not happen. So it's crazy. This was funded and made. I'm so happy that it exists. Honestly. No, I love horror mythology. I, if you give me kind of a, again, going back to it, if you have a creature who comes back every few years, um actually i was thinking actually for trailer for this one um if you come back creature every few years to take sacrifices and you just build up this kind of mythology you know ghost creatures kind of something old um it's what i love about horror it's even something to the point of even friday the 13th jason feels old he's not old he you know exactly when he died or didn't die or was a zombie (laughs) i don't know friday the 13th can get convoluted but he feels old because it is the monster that will keep coming back. Um, and that's what I love love about horror. It's this kind of agelessness quality. And you're right. We have a lot of horror, but it's always on a budget. It always has to be really good. And now because of that, it has to be very, very simple, which I'm not complaining about because I love those simple um, – I love those simple horror movies, but when you get something like this and it's just big and epic and there's a battle and it is literally good versus evil and it is about that mythology and that history and and the fact that it stuck the landing as well as it did. I mean, this movie never got away um, from Lee um, Yaniak. I'm still butchering her name. Um, it's It never got away from her. She absolutely was in control of all of these moving pieces and so to have it work as well as it did is all, with the budget is almost a miracle. Because I will say it too kind of does get away from Andy Machete, but it never gets away from from Lee at all. Yeah, she directs these so well. I mean, they have so much energy. The pacing mm-hmm. is so tight. And I'm actually a big fan of a, a, an indie horror movie she made before this, this called Honeymoon. Did you guys see that movie? No, I still need to. It's on my list now. Because of history. Yeah, it's (laughs) I hope people seek it out because of this, because I saw it. I don't know. Someone probably brought up on a podcast. I watch it and I was pretty I thought it was really good. And it it has some stuff in there that I have not forgotten about. It's some really horrifying images like Mm. it gets pretty bleak. And there's some stuff where I was like watching it. I've seen lots of horror movies and I was like, whoa, this is this is a lot right now. (laughs) So, um, yeah, Lee Janney, I can she can she can go there and she's it's really well directed. And she's clearly a very talented filmmaker. Yeah, just the way she's able to mix those tones of the epic, the meanness, the um, sweetness, the humor. Because um, Fair Street can get really funny. Just these little, uh, mainly my favorite humor, I mean, is is Martin. Just, I think he's just great. The way he's just complaining about just many doesn't, he hates it. And that. <laughs> um, and he's trying to think his own uh, sort of invention at the end um, is, is great. Because everyone's, every single character is this fleshed out, you kind of, 
yeah, there's a couple of maybe like Tommy, but he turns into a killer. There's a few kind of outlier ones that you don't get to know or defined by the fact that you don't like them because they're Sunnyvale. But most of the important ones are completely fleshed out human beings. Um, I love the end of the first one when someone sort of says, oh, it was two more druggies who went crazy in a supermarket. And then Josh goes, no, I knew them. They were good and kind um, and they were my friends. There's more to the story than you think. Um, and that's kind of what each main character does in this movie. You get to know them really well. These these fully fleshed out people. And yeah, no, she did an amazing job with this. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I... <laughs> I was just gonna, I love this series. It's probably going to be like a yearly watch for me now. I think I'm going to come back to this over and over again. It's total comfort. It's it's so good. I love I love Fear Street. <laughs> yeah, this feels like perfect October viewing already. Like I'm already thinking to go back to it in October. <laughs> oh, it really does. It's got this amazing spooky Halloweeny feel with the mar- with all the costumes and just kind of the adventure of it all. I, yeah, it's absolutely going to be comfort comfort viewing for, going forward. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. I feel like <laughs> yeah, we, I think we've, we've done it. Um, <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on and talking, letting me talk Fair Street with you. Because, um, yeah, I was just kind of like, oh, man, I want to talk about Fair Street, but I don't have anyone to talk about Fair Street. Wait, wait I have a podcast, for God's sakes, now, <laughs> which is the reason why I started people, it, so yeah. I could talk to people about movies. <laughs> I'm glad we got to do this because, yeah, me and Daniel talked about, I think, just part one on my show when it first yeah. came out. And I'm glad we got to continue the conversation because I definitely had more to, to say about the other two parts and everything. So um, I'm glad you did this because, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'm glad we got to talk about it because there's there's a lot to say. Yes. No, there was <laughs> so much going on. And thank you so much for coming on. And um, and so we could, you know, go yay for, for Fair Street. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely what I came on here to do. Yeah. Thank yep. you, Lindsay. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I, I just really appreciate this opportunity to talk about how much I love these movies because I really, really do. It was such a surprise. I would not have thought that um, Fair Street, I would love Fair Street as much as I did because sometimes, though, in saying that, I say, oh, I find uh, teenage mo- modern teenage movies hard to talk about. But in saying this, I love Hellfest and I loved Freaky. So um, I just negated everything I just said. So. <laughs> Um, we might as well um, do the, the, I guess, tell people where they can find you. Daniel, where can people find your good work online? Sure. So you can find my podcast on all podcast apps. It's called The Cobwebs Podcast. We talk a lot, a lot of old movies. Uh, both you, Lindsay, and you, Matt, are going to be back on the podcast very soon. Uh, yeah, we both to talk about some old black and white films. Um, I, I will also say, you know, self-promotion can be a little bit awkward, but I know almost the whole lineup at this point of our spooky season, which will be like mid to late September, all the way through October. And I'm so excited about it. I feel like it's like next level for cobwebs. It's going to be so much fun. So if nothing else, I would recommend people at least check us out for October. Very exciting. Excellent. No, I only know a little bit and I'm already excited. Um, Okay. Matt, where can people find you and your good work? Uh, yeah, so they can follow uh, Film Feast podcast. Um, we'll also be doing stuff for October. <laughs> but that's the thing to do. I only know one thing we're doing, but I'm very excited about it. Um, I'm gonna try to line up some more stuff. I'm already I'm already plotting so far ahead, but um, we're doing stuff every week, every Friday, a new episode. It's I love that it's all over the place. And you keep telling people it's kind of a hard sell because it's not just like 
it's about action or blah, blah. It's like all kinds of movies. Like we do seven, then we do Jackass trilogy. And then it's like, you know, it's like, there's no rhyme or reason, but it's fun. Um, so you can fo- subscribe to Film Feast. Um, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Film Feast Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at MapLet87. Uh, you can follow me and the podcast on Instagram at Film Feast, all one word. No, I definitely recommend both those podcasts, uh, not just because I'm lucky enough to go on them occasionally, but um, no, they do re- a really amazing work and they are absolutely must weekly listens. Um, so please check out um, them because they're amazing. Um, yes, if you want to follow uh, Shock and Awe, uh, you can, uh, any podcast, I'm pretty much on, on all the ad, uh, podcast apps, uh, Twitter uh, and Instagram at Shock and Awe One. Uh, so please give us a follow there. It's just um, and also going. I've already planned out most of my um, spooky season, um, it's, which is I'm really excited about. It's going to be really great. All I'm going to say is that there's going to be a series involved, um, and I'll leave it at that. But I think there's going to be some amazing fun stuff. I'm re- already looking forward to October so much. It's going to be jam packed and it's going to be great. So keep an eye out for that. Um, and with that. Um, Yes, uh, we thank you. This is a bonus episode, so I'm not entirely sure when this is going to drop. I think it's going to be in a weird day, but you already would have listened to it, so that's weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for listening, and we will be back with another double feature and possibly another triple feature down the line as well, so keep please keep an eye out for that. Um, thank you for listening, and we'll be back with another double feature. Okay, thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.